This is our league, and this is your league. Broadcasting from the 55-yard line in Japan to the shores of the Great White North and everywhere around the world on Gridiron America Radio and the Sports History Network. Not long ago, it was a marquee name with white shoes and a Fu Manchu mustache who came along and gave a fledgling new football league credibility and stability. And now a brand new football league searches for its identity. The World League of American Football, the United States, takes its passion global, full of flavor and potential. Coaches are prepared for battle as we ready for the season premiere of the World League of American Football on ABC Sports. Greetings. Welcome to the 55-yard line, and it is Fran and I today. Unfortunately, Dave is uh, buried under snow in Buffalo and busy digging out maybe a stadium or a runway. Um, there's a lot of snow going on, going up where he's at. So, Dave, I know you're listening, so we both feel for you. I wish you were here. And uh, Fran, how's it going, buddy? Going well. I mean, my... I still have the remnants of that cold sore throat, but it's getting better each day. So maybe by next week it'll be hasta la vista, baby. Yeah, as um, as everybody has heard, if they've gotten this far in the podcast, uh, if you heard that intro theme, uh, that's a, that's a throwback, a, a that's a throwback from about thirty years ago of the old World League of American Football, and that's a topic that Fran and I are going to be talking about. Both, both the USA and the um, or the ABC, or, or, or just which one did you, which ones did you throw in there? I uh, haven't, I haven't decided yet at this point. I will, I actually, I may do both because we are in the recording boat. We are in the recording part. I have yet, to, you know, obviously, I'll be doing the editing part after we after we wrap up, but. I don't know. You know what? Maybe both. I mean, I mean, both, both are, both are powerful. I mean, both, I mean, especially what the, the one was that, that was the opening, how the league launched the whole entire with, with, with Musburger. And then the other one was that, that, that little, like the done, you know, the whole entire around the world for the football. Yeah. Program. The visuals on the around the world one were my favorite. So yeah, I love that so, one. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, I mean, the thing was, I mean, the helmet cam, I mean, what, oh, well, I mean, it was fun. I mean, we'll, we'll just go, we'll get more into that later. I mean, we'll have the, breakdown of, of of league by league one but you know we'll we'll we'll, we'll touch that later on the show yep. yeah we're definitely going to talk we're definitely going to talk uh spring football towards the end here but you know the big news that happened so it is saturday here in japan and we've obviously we're into and into the second week of the nfl playoffs but i don't even want to talk nfl playoffs just yet um the big news story that happened over and the overnight for me when I woke up was the news about hmm, Sports Illustrated going basically, basically Sports Illustrated, as we know it now, laid everybody off. So I figured 
tonight that that's a good step um a good stepping off point to talk about sports journalism in the 20th century versus the 21st century the impact of sports illustrated in america and basically where do we go from here and is sports illustrated even re- relevant in today's in today's um sports journal um sports uh in today's sports, how do I don't want to say I'm stammering here, and it's something I've always dealt with since I was a kid. But in today's sports environment, sports Stratis- illustrated Stratis- stratosphere. Yep. Yeah. Or so, stratosphere. Yeah. Yeah. So, Fran, listen. Let's talk real quickly. Let's let's start off then. Um, when you heard the news today about Sports Illustrated, what was your first thought when you heard the news? No surprise at all, because. Back in the heydays when we were young kids, uh, it was more of a magazine where everyone got in the house and they read and read and read. I mean, it was more of a uh, you know, paper where you wanted you, They gave you like this half off just begging you to get it because if you purchase it, they're still making money. Now in the digital age where everything's on the computer, nobody wants to pay to get something sent to their house. Nobody wants to pay to get uh, a newspaper delivered to my. I used to be a paper boy in New York for eleven years. But in New York, the only news. Now my job will be obsolete, baby. I subscribed to the print version. God, up until several years ago, when they went from all of a sudden it was a weekly, and then it was a biweekly. Like, man, what's going on? So that was kind of the tip off when I knew, you know, without paying close attention to the news or the financials or anything like that. Hey, what's going on with Sports Illustrated? But then again, you know, I mean, to me, Sports Illustrated, I remember it very well because, I mean, it was the, listen, listen, back in the 70s, as a kid, you know, there was no, pornography basically was (laughs) like drugs. You didn't know where to get it, but you knew it was out there somewhere. The closest thing that a, a young boy had to Playboy was when that Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue came out. And that was the one where at the library they uh they 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 made they they put that one away when it when that issue came out. So but the Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition obviously is is the cornerstone of that magazine. But there's so much more to Sports Illustrated than than just girls in bikinis. Yeah, there was definitely a lot more than the pictures of them, the uh, um, stories, the writers. I mean, they had, they had some really great writers. And they, uh, and like in the heydays, I mean, it was a lot more visual than it is now with the, with the athletes, the players, the features. I right. used to, I enjoyed reading it. I mean, the thing is, when you're younger, you, you don't appreciate it as much. But when you get a little bit older in that age, I mean, that's fun to read, especially if it's a compelling story or whenever, whenever they, whenever they broke the Pete Rose scandal stuff, Dave, when that was like, Everybody bought sports still trade to read that stuff. When they yeah. get a breaking story like that, that, that's when they make tons of money. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the age, the golden age of Sports Illustrated was when you had writers like Tex Small, Frank DeFord, and hell, even just recently with Peter King. And it was the best sports writing out there. I mean, there were other magazines, Sport, Inside Sport Magazine, but Sports Illustrated was the gold standard of... and. It, you know, of, of sports journalism, magazine journalism back there, back in the day. And, you know, for anybody who wanted to know what was going on in the world of sports, you went to Sports Illustrated. And plus two, 
the 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 Sports Illustrated pictures are some of the most iconic in sports. Those covers, even now, just looking through their archives, they still give me chills. I mean, the, the, the visual, uh, the, the visual pictures, uh, especially in the seventy eighties, like the, like the bird magic stuff. That was awesome. Michael Jordan slam dunk, those slam dunk contests. Some of those those dunk those dunk photos, like the tongue and other videos, they they were really fun. Yeah. Yeah, and like for me, being such a you know football nerd, those those images on the cover each week basically, you know, was your starting off point. But they to me, I still remember seeing there's an image, uh, a cover image. This was in 1976. It was the Pittsburgh Steelers against the Cincinnati Bengals, and I believe it's a picture of Rocky Blyer running in the snow, and to me. You know, I still have the subscription. I mean, I subscribed to SI, the digital edition, just for the archives. And being the, the sports historian nut that I am, I like going back and reading those art articles. There's a great, uh, one of the best Sports Illustrated issues was their pro, pro, pro football preview in 79, where it talks about the future of football. And it's fun reading now, God, you know, living in the future. And because it was like, what's what's sport going to be like in the 21st century? Well, you read it, you read their predictions, and half of them are are just god awful ridiculous. But there's the other half that they got, they nailed. And there are more technological changes coming in the next, I would say, next 10 years. It's going to make a lot more of what they predicted reality. So, um, but yeah, with um, yeah, no, it was just it, it bummed me out. I saw that, I'm like. Okay, then my first thought was, okay, how does this affect the archives? And to me, that's the most important part of SI is the legacy they 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 they've left behind for all of us. Because um, as somebody, you know, being being a member of the Pro Football Research Association, everybody, anybody who's listening to this podcast and is PFRA member, I'm assuming will agree with me that the news kind of hit them hard today. Like, oh man, you know, another part of our past gone. So. What say what what do you think, Fran? What was uh how often um you know, when did you start really first falling in love with Sports Illustrated? Probably like when I was like uh my my teenage years. Uh and so I'll tell you a fun story. Uh my aunt uncle wanted to uh get me a, a sports illustrated um to read um for Christmas. My dad makes the comment, uh, don't get it for him because he won't read it. Isn't that nice? Dad, come on, have a little more faith in me. Yeah. I, mean, I, I mean, you know, at the age, if something appealed to me, I would have looked. But you know, come on, you gotta. I mean, at the, at the age, he may, he may have been right, but still, I mean, I, I still would have looked at. I still would have checked it out. I mean, it depends yeah. on one of the topics. I mean, it depends on if. It, it, I mean, it depends on the topics. Like, like, uh, like a magazine I used to love about was Pro Football Weekly. Was, that that mm -hmm. was like certain those certain when they had certain leagues and stuff like that. That when you had. I mean, I, I kind of like the magazines where it's geared towards one sport you really like, not one one that has everything on it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that was the thing. I mean, growing up, I mean, it, it, the great thing, Sports Illustrated obviously catered to each sport during the season. Um, But I never got pro football week. I never, I mean, I, I saw it in the stands, but I never, it's one of those that now, and, and thank God there's been a lot of efforts by a lot of great people to archive what is, what has, what has come like the internet archive. Um, there are other websites that you can find a lot of these old issues. And, uh, 
you know, I've got to go back. I think I'm going to spend a good part of my week actually going back through trying to find old issues of uh, Pro Football Weekly from the 70s just to to read those write-ups. Kind of like me right now going back and looking at old, um, if you remember when we were in school, when they had the Scholastic Book Fair. And when that happened in the 70s, I was all about, okay, what are the pro football books? So like all pro football, all pro football, 77, 78. I was a huge Bob Greasy fan. So there was one issue of the book, Bob Greasy was on the covers. So, I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm just I'm just hopeful that Sports yeah. Illustrated at least will survive. Now yeah. we do know with Sports Illustrated that they've got this thing called Fan Nation. Hmm. Mike, uh, and you and I were both talking about this prior to hitting the record button, but is that going to survive? According I mean, to according to some uh, people, a person I spoke to, yes, but especially if if it's if they're either getting paid very little or the or the magic word free. So if, if they get, it depends on. We'll see. I mean, to see what happens. And the thing is, if if not, then um, some of these guys may go back to the dark side or to back to you know wherever they want want to. Whatever news we'll hub they came from, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, no. well, I mean, like I say, I mean, I I enjoy that content. I enjoy so I enjoy some of the content. But like I said, the, the thing is, once you're in the game, it's hard to get out of it. You know, let's just say that. I mean, I, that's why I'm like, I'm happy to write for Arsenal Central because this is my platform. I don't have to. They're not gonna. They, he's, my my friend's not gonna sell the site. He's not gonna let it you know crash. Let it die. So I'm safe. So I I'm having fun having my little platform these guys are like they're, they're like begging this ufl to get big so then they think they'll get big well yeah how many leagues have how many alternative leagues gotten big i'll give you the answer dave none <laughs> i mean i mean uh arena football thinks they were they were you know to that fan base you know uh you know, you know the, the, it's funny the fans in the league think they think it's big but then here's the funny thing you, you're on facebook and you get all these likes and stuff but then outside of your your circle of friends nobody cares no, I mean you think you're you think you think uh you're big shot. I I'd love to have I love to you know no one's having water cool talk on what I'm writing on R Sports Central. I wish they were, but they're not. So, well, I mean R Sports Central has been around. God, yeah, but, you know, how uh, many years? Uh, 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 like oh, twenty, like twenty three years. Twenty two. So it's on years. its third decade now. Yeah, right. So I mean, I mean, I mean the thing is, longevity is better than uh uh. We won't say his name, but a guy that they, you know um you know um I have a name and I'm gonna. Brand my product everywhere we go. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. It, it, it mean, doesn't work because nobody. What media? Like, who's gonna? Who the hell is this bleep bleep guy? I mean, I'd rather be with Arsenal Central where I have credibility. Then why would I want the France Dutch? Who who is gonna give me a press pass for that? They can't even say my last name. Why are they gonna give me a press pass? So well, yeah. I mean, you know, seeing like UFL coverage on SI when I first saw that, that's been relatively recently. This got to be a joke. Then I saw it. Like, Holy shit! It's not a joke, but it's got the SI brand attached to it, so that at least at first glance gives them some credibility. But you know, guys like you and I and Dave, you know, we know enough to to dig a little bit deeper and see who's writing these articles, and then you're right looking at it, going, "Uh huh. Oh, okay. Well." Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't really think he was that credible before. And now I'm reading what he's saying here. He's just, he's, you know, the, 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 you know, what kind of ticked me, turned me off with this UFL coverage on SI was 
One writer in particular working for one of those fan sites is now working for SI and then calling out other people who write for fan sites about spreading rumor when that person, in fact, um, kind of engaged in the same thing online. And you know what? You know, I just, you know what? Listen, just write. If you, it's one thing to speculate, and we all do that. I mean, whether it be on tape, whether it be in print, whether it be on social media, but listen, if don't, don't, don't call out people for doing what you, in fact, yourself have done. Don't, don't, don't play that. Be nice. Be nice to, you know, every, we're all in it for this. We're all, we're all in this and podcasting and, and writing and that because we all love football. We all love sports. Let's just try to be one happy community. Don't piss on each other and, you know, you know, hold somebody up to a higher standard than you yourself um, for when you yourself have spread, you know, not, and I'm saying this because when this whole issue came up with um, the UFL SI thing, there was somebody out there on social media, God love the guy, but the internet never forgets. And there was a, t- there was a video of said person doing the exact same thing he was accusing other people of. So that's all I got to say. I'm as sorry. far as these guys that write, I mean, if you're going to write, write, don't just, yeah. don't just present a, a, a fact-driven story. I'm like, I'm linking up some of these articles, Orange Point Central. I'm like, it's just a story from another site. If you're going to write, I mean, the signing, give an opinion. Will he help? Who, is he going to help the team? Is he going to make the team? Add a little commentary to the damn thing, please. Yeah. I mean, you know, these, these sites that just, oh, here's the news. No, that's nonsense. Paul would shoot me if I wrote something like that. I mean, here's the story situation. You, you write a story, I mean, you give opinions, and then you back those opinions up with facts. That's why R4 Central um, you know, is, is, a, is a credible website where if, anytime I, don't, I, I give opinions, Paul's not going to put that in my article because that's, not, that's what a blog does. Uh, right. We're a website. Yeah. And the question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing that SI has done did because they don't do it anymore, at least not that I know of. But what I used to like about reading Sports Illustrated, obviously sports coverage, but then you would have essays, which to me are some of the most beautiful pieces of writing out there. Somebody just kind of giving their opinion and and writing about it, and whether you agree with it or not, you walk away going. That was a pretty good article. I didn't agree with what he said, but I kind of see where he was coming from. And we're we have caught so far away from that. Not only obviously outside of sports, but in sports in general. We don't have sports essayists anymore. And it's sad because that's to me what helped me grow to love the game, what helped me to just love write sports writing in general. The days of Grantland Rice, you know, Peter King to me was the last great essayist at uh, Sports Illustrated, and then he saw the writing on the wall and left. I mean, my, my goal, Greg, is when I write something, if I can get at least one thing in there that somebody learns something new, that's my goal. Yeah. To give a fact, some sort of opinion, something that people are going to like, they, they read this stuff and they'll actually, uh, hmm, I, I didn't know that. Or yeah. uh, during this podcast, we mentioned something, ooh, like uh, about, uh, about, about practice squad roster players getting um, as you can get a pension. Nobody knew that, but we knew it. Right. And the story, yeah. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I'm, and that's the key to good writing. I mean, if you walk away, instead of, you know, instead of people that write a lot on the internet are crowing, it's all about clicks and likes. Oh, oh we got this from a Twitter account, this and that. But I don't walk away learning anything new when I've read stuff from you prior to, you know, you and I meeting or talking or even connecting. I'm like, okay, I learned something new that I didn't know going into, you know, before. That. And that to me is obviously the key to great writing and what you see now. And, you know, you and I probably harp on this more with the UFL coverage because there's just so much of it right now and crap being spewed out that, you know, when we, Dave and I last year, we did the XFL InfoWars show because we were tired of all the spin. And so, you know, that's kind of what we're doing now. We're still kind of following that tradition. It's like, let's call out the spin jobs. Well, and like Dave, now, now, now I'm on board. Like I said on Facebook, we're like DX. We're like, we're going to say it as it is. I mean, and if yeah. you have a problem with our opinions, we have two words for you. Not the words that will get us expelled, but too bad. Well, yeah. I mean, in our opinion, you know what? It's like we used to say in the Navy, man. Opinions are like buttholes. Everybody's got it, one. Meanwhile, those other bloggers are looking for a car blanche with the league or credibility, or they or maybe they get their dream job to get out of their house with the with the, with the living with the parents. Not gonna happen that way. Doesn't yeah. happen that way. It never will. So I mean, yeah. I mean, it's nice to see. Nice to see you're working. You're doing that some work. Let's see. What are you doing outside sports? And and are, and are you living by yourself? That's the you know, that, that's the big question. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, but it's when I've engaged with people like. You know, people, okay, I get the DMs on Twitter. Hey, what the fuck is, you know, pardon my French. Um, but WTF is, what? what is your problem with my writing? Well, okay, first of all, my problem is you're, you're, you're direct messaging me. Um, in fact, asking that question, that's problem number one. But aside from that, dude, ask questions. You know, I'm very, anybody who's listened to this podcast, knows I'm a huge fan of Howard Cosell. Love him or loathe him. The one thing about Howard Cosell was he wasn't afraid to speak his mind and ask the hard questions. And that is what I've had an issue with with a lot of these, um, you know, we'll call them what they are, bloggers who are, you know, trying to trying to trying to be professionals, not asking the hard questions, especially with the UFL coverage. And I know and I know with minor covering the minor leagues, that is critical. I mean, Fran, you know, in covering these minor leagues, you know that a lot of these minor leagues are operating on a day-to-day type budget and that, you know, they don't, they don't operate. I mean, they, they want it. A lot of these leagues operate on hope and hope doesn't pay the bills. And Dave, let's be honest. Some of these people that do this where if you ask the question and, you know, context, your, your demeanor, the way you say it, they're not the league may, may not give you a press pass. I'll give you a perfect example. Like uh, some of these guys that, that covered like uh, those those like uh, those no name uh, um, arena football sites, they basically were afraid to write anything negative, critical. Otherwise, their press passes are out the door. So, um, what are you trying to be a fan, a, a cheerleader for a league, or actually a, a legitimate site where you're provi- providing fan information and not, and uh, being objective? You know, what do you want to be? Do you want to be a you're not going to gain anything being Mr. Oh, everything is pie and sky, lovely, lovely, lovely. With me, if I see something I don't like and I can back it up with facts, like uh, I'm going to do that. A perfect example, like um, hopefully this league, I'm begging this league, is to have post-game press conferences that I can uh, you know, use quotes to my column. Because the thing is, I don't have to make that opinion. If a coach says it myself, 
I am fine. I did that with the US with the USFL stuff last year. I was getting using quotes. I'm like, if they if the quarterback has a bad performance and the coach says it, that's their that's their opinion, not mine. I'm safe. Right. That's it. Safe immunity. Yep. Right. And it, uh, too with our sports central. And again, I'm 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 plugging you guys left and right because you guys do don't do what all these other fan sites do is delve into the speculation as if it were fact and kicking out a YouTube video. Let's talk about, you know, what might happen. Okay, well, no, that's, you know, it'll happen when it happens. And when it happens, we'll report about it. Greg, I'll give you one funny example. Some guy on Facebook messaged me. Remember, I don't know if you saw it, but some like indoor football team mentioned that they have an interest in having uh, Charlotte as a possible XFL team next year. I mean, now some, some, some site, you know, indoor like the, that, that folded. And the guy immediately messaged me and says, do you want to come on the show and speculate that? Why the hell do I want to speculate on that show? Talk to, I was at the UFO XFL, XFL Championship in San Antonio. Get, I'm doing great things. I'd rather talk about what's going on now and not something that's never going to happen. I mean, come yeah. on. This is not the National Enquirer or as the uh, football league turns. Come on. I'm I'm a, I'm a journalist. I'm not a fantasy um, you know, a soap opera writer. I mean, right. I, I want to be, if, if I want to be, if someone invites me on the show, let me talk about something I either did or something I'm covering, not something that's never going to happen. These dumb bloggers are just wasting endless hours. Remember during, during this time where, where where nobody knew anything? They were wasting hours and hours and hours of guessing. Meanwhile, I'm just waiting patiently. Presley comes out, writing my story for Arsenal Central, and then, boom, you came along. I got lucky, unfortunate. I was able to talk about it when it ha- actually when it happened. Not before it happened, because I want my information to be correct. I right. want to say the right things. I don't want to waste my time saying a bunch of stupid nonsense that doesn't happen. End yeah. story. Well, you know, um, also, too, the internet never forgets. And that guy, that James Larson guy, I'll say his name, he posted on Twitter that uh, eight USFL teams would be would be part of the merger, and, and also four XFL teams would, would, would merge. And apparently one guy from Birmingham that hates the XFL as a, and loves the USFL went on every um, football page, XFL, USFL related, as a victory lap for the USFL. And guess what? It didn't happen. So, and the thing is, the league may not, the league probably follows this stuff. So, I mean, and the thing is, why would the league give someone like this access if he's, make, if he's throwing anything up against the wall when it's false? Meanwhile, a guy like me who does it professionally and right and does and, and never has burned any bridges or you know um, uh, to accent, I'll say the only thing I got with um from my articles I wrote that UFL um you know uh, inside a UFL article I got a laugh and you wonder where that laugh came from a um uh, an angry Kent uh, fan that lost his team. Well, Kent doesn't deserve a team and. Uh, and there's they the small market. It's not. I mean, it's not going to happen. So, if they did that, that means this league is being achieved as possible. So, smart move, UFL. If you want to give them a little bone, how about this? Our preseason game next year. If you want to give those those people in can a little bone where they can have a little fun and have and and feel important. But when I said that, fans like they want all or nothing. Isn't that nice? I hope these people don't have kids because. If, if that's the way you're raising your kids, then they're going to be disappointed most of their lives. Yep. Yeah. It's, yeah, I just, it just, yeah, come on, just get, get over it. Be happy. I mean, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't want to support it, then fine. Another perfect example I'm going to bring up. One guy who's a little bitter about this, um, about, you know, about this XFL merge because 
he got he, he was working with USFL, and right now he doesn't have a job with him. So if you're oh, bitter, yeah. fine. If you like, if you're bitter, then fine. Just don't. I mean, don't come across that way because people don't forget. And if I see this guy at a game, I'm gonna say, "What? I mean, I mean, either you care about this league that this is gonna be the best chance you have to for a long lasting alternative football league, or or you're bitter about not having a um, a little notoriety and a little bit of money, you know. Anyway, so make your mind up. So that's just my opinion. Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. Um, yep. Yeah. When it yeah, you know, when it comes to the rampant speculation, it just it was all over. And I know, you know, one one writer who's on podcast, he's the you he is the you know, and we're not talking about Jim. We're talking about another person who is a well respected, you know, and I'm I'm using air quotes. Um, he's always on every show that needs their, you know, their their person. I mean, they, they always headline them. And <laughs> You know, going back to that UFL article on Sports Illustrated, well, when that came out, you know, there was one person on, on Twitter who is one of those guys, he's kind of like, I, I, I like, I, I love him, but sometimes I kind of loathe him. But on this point, it was like, huh, like, oh, then he, then he, then he reached down to the archive and it was quick is how, how, how quick he found it, showing said writer saying the exact opposite. Uh, you know, say, saying, you know, doing the speculation about, oh, it's going to be, this is, yeah, this is, you know, very cocky making these pronouncements when in fact, none of that was, none of that stuff was true. So no, that's what I like about you guys. You guys write after the fact, you don't delve in speculation and thank God, I tell you what, now you've got on social media, everybody and their mother has got an opinion. Oh, the UFL should expand. No. What? No. The, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. I'll give you a perfect example. Right now, how many established markets right now are in this league? You have San Antonio established. I mean, well, as far as like a decent fan base, you have DC established, St. Louis, that's it. Arlington's a little bit mixed, but they have their practice facilities. Yeah. And as far as the other teams, Houston with that new stadium, they're going to draw flies there. And those other three USFL markets, Birmingham's, I mean, I'll see when I believe it. I mean, they have a talent, they have a team, but let's see what, what Tennessee do. Memphis is it was a graveyard, and Michigan is still up in the air. You're indoors, thank God, but still, let's see those other let's see those other markets grow and develop. And one thing I want for for a talent building standpoint, please release the attendance figures. I want that to happen because uh the XFL did, the USL did, because for the well, only a couple of teams were in markets and and uh and the ones that were market, they didn't want to embarrass themselves, you know, with uh, you know, you know, with, with actual tennis figures. But still, seriously, just be be transparent. And I, yeah. I feel more confident with that with the XL people running the show. Right. The, if, if it was Moose Johnson, I'd be a lot more concerned about everything being sugarcoated uh, and uh, no no information going on. That's right. my. And this is where you and I are probably going to disagree. But my take on the XFL leadership, and this was last year, so we'll see where we go this year. My issue with XFL leadership last year was it was focused on two people in terms of their public persona. Oh, I know. I know. I mean, Danny uh, and, and, and The Rock. And I, hey, listen, I still watch the games. I knew what I was dealing with. I got tired of seeing The Rock. I got tired of seeing Danny. I got tired of the narcissism, but I still watch football game. I, I'm hopeful that moving forward, the narcissistic, um, image that these two project 
will be replaced by a league image, much like we see in other leagues where it's about the players, it's about community involvement, it's about all those things that you know we that make the NFL great, but and that we wish the CFL would do more of. So I'm hopeful this year, but I think expansion, people that are spouting off expansion, especially on social media. I mean, I've, I'm to the point where I just scroll past. Well, I think it was Greg. I mean, I mean, this was like a, like a shotgun wanting to merge these these people in the first place. The more teams would have been more, more disorganization and more money they would have lost. Why expand into unestablished markets? What what other markets could you have added that would, if they had a team in Canton, that would have been a joke. That well, and you, you know, here's 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 a thought too. This is not. I mean, the, 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 this league doesn't have to worry about expansion fees, much like the original USFL that we know expanded way too fast. And there was a lot of other issues that you know. I mean, that's a whole that's a whole five part show unto itself, talking about why the USFL failed. But the XFL, I mean, the UFL doesn't need to expand right now because. It's a one-owner type league, much like MLS was, and they can try to figure this out as they go along. Adding, you know, twelve having twelve teams, I, I agree with it. It's just, you know, it's it's go with the eight teams. Let's see how we go. Don't be like, you know, the arena football leagues where they expand way too quick to get the expansion fees and all these teams fold. Same way with what happened with the CFL with the the American experiment. So, well, Greg, ho- hopefully, hopefully. Uh... Uh, let's uh, we'll play we'll play a little prediction game right now. Week one UFL season last year at the XFL season the Rock was at all four. Do you think the Rock will be at all four games in week one? Yes or no? Well, he yeah. Well, I don't think he will be. I don't think he will be this time. I hope yeah. he's not. I mean, if he's at all four games and they're showing him that, I'd be a little. I mean, if, is it if, necessary? Well, the thing if, is, it's if a, I see if I I'm if I see yeah. Danny or the Rock, I'll be like, I'm gonna go grab grab a pop or something. I don't need to see these two idiots. Well, the thing is, I think you needed last year. With I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, it also depends on the Rock's schedule. And let's see if uh, every year around around that time uh, is WrestleMania going to happen, and him and, or him and Roman Reigns going to put on the show on the planet. Yeah. Um, we'll see what happens. But every single year, they have to have some. They have to, they have to keep my hand to that bloodline angle where Roman Reigns will be the champion for the next fifty years. So you might as well, you know, keep on grabbing someone else from the from the family to view with him. <laughs> It's just, yeah, yeah. That, that's my that's my that's my wrestling style of the of this show, and we'll move on. Okay. Well, listen. Let's let's change subjects a little bit. Let's talk about what else is going on in the world of of sports that you cover with Art Sports Central. Go ahead. Um, the first thing that I want to talk about, and this is something for me. You know, you guys write about when the only place that really that I know of writes about women covers women's soccer. I mean, other sites do, obviously. I mean, but it's our Sports Central. I think, hey, this is the one place I can go, you know, to to know more about women's soccer. So the other night when I was watching the news here, I watched the morning news at night in Chicago because I'm on the opposite side of the world. Well, the Chicago team um, just signed one of their players to the biggest contract in women's soccer. And just the optics of it and looking at that report, uh, it's nice to see women's soccer, soccer in general, doing well in a city like Chicago that is very fickle. And when it comes to new sports teams, when it comes to new sports, and also that there being a, a decent crowd over at what I think it's still Seat Geek Stadium over in Bridgeview, over by where I used to live. 
And so what, what's going on with the women's soccer league? Where, 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 where are they at? Where are they going? And what's the outlook like for the, this league? Well, it seems like the teams realize they have to spend money. They otherwise they're going to be in the bottom fears of the league. These teams, everybody has to spend or either have the perfect system. Like at the Courage, they signed a couple of players during the draft. They, they 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 got a player from the Washington Spirit, which and she was heartbroken to be traded. But the thing was, uh, teams had they realize that you have to spend money to make the win and to make money and to keep get fans in attendance. And plus, like uh, these like the Chicago team, everybody wants to get to the elite level. I mean, Portland, you know, has always been good, and now Seattle, now the Seattle with the new branding might actually help their fan base instead of all rain nonsense. What the hell is all rain? I don't know, Dave. You know, but uh, that was that that was when that that uh, uh European brand nonsense. And as I'm going through, as we're talking, I'm kind of going through your article, and I don't usually like doing this, but it's still morning time, and I'm still Go kind ahead. of waking up, Thanks, but man. can you explain to me what MLS Next Pro is? Because I was looking at your article, I'm like. I have no idea what ne- with next pro M um, this is what happened. Next pro. You, you remember USL? Yeah. Um, you, you, that, that's what the, the MLS said. Let's let's create our own monopoly and uh and and and, uh, and do our own thing and uh and and build the feeder system and then do all these things where MLS next pro. And the funny thing is most of the teams are affiliated. I don't know why you'd want to be an independent team in this league. Because where are you going to get the players? Like Jacksonville, I w- I think they should stay in the USL, but they want down to they want to be an MLS Next Pro and Tim Tebow wants a team. Like the, the problem with now with these teams are they want they want to, they want the, the league wants them to be in market different markets to spread the brand a little bit more. Because if you're in the same market, I mean, it's nice to develop talent, but you have to get people in attendance. At least these USL teams and USL League One teams, fans are in attendance. Some of these MLS Next Pro teams, uh, crickets. Okay, and yeah, I mean, it, obviously, if you're if you're watching a game on TV and you don't see anybody in the stands, it it, it kind of almost makes you not want to watch because you're like, I don't know if I want to invest my time and effort into this. And, and, and the other problem was, at least with the USL ch- Championship and USL League One, I was able to DVR the uh, the games on ESPN. And, and enjoy them. Uh, now the game on CBS Sports Network, that's a separate thing, but they'll have games on there as well. But the thing is, now it's like a MLS X Pro. It might, I didn't even watch the championship. I mean, I think it's going to be buried on Apple TV, which people only get when, when Lionel and the Messi uh, um, steps foot someplace. But where where can I watch MLS X Pro? I don't know where. And why would I want to watch soccer on, on that such a low level? Right. It's just, you really, unless you have a team in your market, yeah. how. How are you going to care? It's like I'll give you another perfect example. Like uh, North Carolina FC when they were USL League One, I, I have a busy schedule, so I'm uh, I didn't really cover them because they were USL League One. It was such a lower level, but now they're a USL Championship. If if it were if my work schedule fits in where I can cover games, I'm happy to to give them more coverage because it's, it's it's a bigger league, you know, better 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 talent, better players. Well, it gives me more bang for my buck. That's why I'm right. saying okay, all right, and the major indoor. I mean, I'm sorry, Major Arena Soccer League. Where, uh, how big is that now? Um, with, because I remember, man, this is going thirty some years ago. I actually went to an indoor soccer game at the Allstate Arena. At the time, it was still called the Rosemont Horizon, and I watched the Chicago Power play. Is Major is Arena Soccer League back? No, and it's if, not. It's not. It's no? not. I mean, they have games on YouTube. But as far as I'm concerned. I know you. I know you don't want to spend the money, but get the game. Get the get 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 the games on 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 a, on a cable network. Get the championship game on there. 
Give, I mean, th these leagues don't want to spend the money. They don't have it. That's the biggest. I mean, it's a, indoor soccer is fun. I used to like it um, when the M MISL on versus. That was yeah. fun when you had the games on there. I used to watch those cha cha those games like that. I, but these, these these leagues are just so shoestring budgets. And uh, in the heydays, I mean, in the 80s, uh, indoor soccer was great. That's where Jim Forster, you know, the guy, um, the league right. founder of arena football, he did that bill envelope where he came up with this plan for arena football, which was good till 2008. That's just my right. opinion. <laughs> and could we call these leagues, especially, you know, we use the arena soccer league and even the indoor leagues. Can we pretty much call those semi-pro leagues? Well, in some because... markets, saw, I'll, be on, I'll be honest with you, in some markets, they love it. Baltimore blessed, they still love it. Right. Some of those, some of those markets, they Baltimore blessed. They've had they played in terrible arenas for a while with that old dump in Baltimore. Now they're now they're in a, I think Towson, but they played in a, you know, some some places they really it's like old it's like a cult. Perfect example, like this new arena football league. Yeah, I, I think I think the teams are going to get the best attendance for Orlando Predators. I mean, it could be a lousy product, but they have such a long legacy. Well, they'll get seven. They'll, they'll yeah. get they'll get seven thousand fans. Just to have fun that out because they they they're a party crowd. I've been to games and uh, I've had fun. You know, in the heydays, they, they you know I've seen things I should not have seen. Um, but uh, but but I mean, it was fun and energetic. Jake Rudin, I mean, uh, when he was a coach, I mean, it was a fun. Orlando, they loved their team. So yeah. and the thing is, it's this league's not going to be as good, but there's going to be people. Hey, let's go out and have a fun night out. And some of these and some of these leagues, as we know, Dave give out free tickets. So if yeah. they get a free ticket, they're going to get out of the house. And you know, I mean, they hit. I mean, these are guys that are playing that are want to get noticed by the next level. So I mean, they're going to hit hard. They're going all out, and um, but they still, but these guys still have to hold regular day day jobs. I mean, playing playing at night, playing is not their full time job. Part time I mean, jobs, uh, yeah. other thing, and then and then they hopefully have a stable job in the off season. And if they're married, hopefully their wife is working. Please, right? Well, but, I mean, it kind of harkens back to the day back, and you know, I've been doing a lot i've been doing a, a deep dive in my nfl history back in the 60s and 70s and back to when you know the the heroes that we grew up with in the nfl you know for me it was bob greasy you know roger staubach i mean those guys but they all held i mean it was they they still had a full-time job and even though they were they were they were paid and they weren't paid that great in comparison to what they could have been um they they still in essence it kind of were semi pro players because they still had to have a full time job on the side to to pay to pay the bills so that's why I was asking and then lastly uh, let's talk about a couple things that with with you close to close to home we've got uh, the American Hockey League mm -hmm. and we've got the uh, Outdoor Classic yep yeah yep. I mean uh, they're a good crowd and. Uh... And it's nice to see, and, and that video I um, I have that came and for those and for those those wondering what we're talking about. So the you had a crowd over eleven thousand seeing the Checkers, um, in Uptown Charlotte, and they beat uh, Dave's team, the Rochester Americans, five to two in the Outdoor Classic. I mean, it looked like an exciting product. And the thing is, that's that's where the Charlotte Knights team plays baseball plays. And Dave, I'm going to make a couple of trips to Charlotte for various teams. So I'm hoping to. Well, I'm down seeing like the either the Carolina Chaos or this rugby team we'll be talking about shortly, or the USL Super League team. If I'm gonna be down for a weekend, I'm gonna get my bank. From, I'm gonna get get the most I can out of it and try to get enjoy as much sports as I can. Okay. And in terms of say the 
the attendance in that game. So the entire stadium was filled up. It sounds like right for eleven thousand in a minor league stadium. Uh, yeah, pretty, pretty close to it. I mean, but uh, the thing is, it, in a baseball field, it doesn't look as good because it's so. If it was like a football stadium, it would it would have looked better on, on from a TV standpoint because you have those weird angles. Right. But uh, from from a from a you know from a, just from a standpoint, fans had a good time. I mean, I mean, if I lived in Charlotte, I'd go to that. It, you know, why not? You guys, you get to. You get to experience a minor league hockey game in a, in a, outdoors in a ballpark. Just drink some hot chocolate. Was that and, the first time the American Hockey League did an outdoor t- game? I don't think. I think they've done other markets. I think they have on okay. other markets. Yeah. So because obviously, years, yeah. obviously, we know how. I mean, remember that when they did it the first time in the NHL? It was like an experiment, and then next thing you know, everybody's got an outdoor game, and it's a. Well, oh, go it's, ahead, cra- it's, it's crazy because it makes a fortune because. Uh, you get especially in those college teams, like they, they had that at the Carolina Hurricanes game. They will make they had like 70,000 fans, and then two days later, Dave, guess what? They had the uh, North Carolina NC State hockey, and they had like a record crowd of twenty thousand fans there. So fans, I mean, it's, I mean, the thing is, if you're gonna do it, utilize it. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to look into it, see what else was used there. Hopefully, they had co- like college hockey, something else. The thing is, if you're there, you know, let other people use it. Don't just right. have your one big show and. Uh, do that. The only, the only league that can get away with that is the Super Bowl, but the rest of the, rest of the leagues, come on, share the wealth. And um, yeah, moving on from, from hockey, let's talk about lacrosse in the National Lacrosse League. And I'm going to be honest with you, I know nothing of the National Lacrosse League. Explain to people what it is, where the cities are at, um, if, it's, if, it's, if, it's, if it's trending up or it's holding water or it's trending down. What's 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 going on with this league? And as somebody who um, is from you know major market in Chicago, why should I want to watch this league? Well, it's it trends up, but the problem is, it's just if you have a team in your market, you can care about it and appreciate it more. If you don't, if you don't have a team in your market, you better you're gonna have to get ESPN ESPN Plus to follow it. That's where you can watch all the games. So fortunately, I can do that. I do. I'm able to actually access ESPN Plus over here with the help of. And I will say one thing: unlike these other small leagues, at least they at least they give fans some. They give fans some. They do a better job on social media. Like my week around the leagues, I I always play the top five highlights. So I I, um, I get I get the five top five plays of the week. So like two minutes, you get your boom boom boom, and you usually get, get you're entertained by that. It's fun. So that from that standpoint, where if I had a team my mark, I'd love it. And in, in two weeks, I'm gonna see the Georgia Swarm game in Atlanta for the first time. I'm gonna see the National Cross League game for the first time. So I get to experience that and. We're gonna have one hell of a show when that when that after I get back from Atlanta that, that week, and then we also have the Premier Lacrosse League. And... Premier Lacrosse League is on is on the upking. Guess what, Dave? You want to know why? Because they're actually making an effort to have some games in home markets. This okay. is the first year they're playing home markets. Now is I mean, this a women? This is a women's league. Men, right? men's, men's, men's. Oh, it's men's. Okay, men's. Paul, Paul Rabel. Remember they were there. You know, the, uh, Paul Rabel. I mean, remember, remember when Major uh, League Lacrosse uh, was trying to buy, get involved, uh, buy, uh, get involved, get involved with them, but uh, they end up um, buying them, buying them out to get to get some get some things. So, I mean, th- there's a great documentary. Uh, you'll have to check um, on 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 Premier Lacrosse League on ESPN Plus. That you guys, okay. I watched it. It was great. It was really, um, you know, how the league built and developed and uh, overcame a lot of obstacles. Okay. And moving on to basketball, um, we've got the uh, the NBA G League, which I don't know anybody. I don't know. I, I, I know in Chicago we've got a, a G League team that I think plays up and up um, what well, used to be called the Sears Center. At least that was the last I knew. But I really know nothing about the NBA G League. 
um, they play at the same time as the regular NBA, correct? Yeah. And the thing is, the G League is more about developing players. Because the thing is, if you're an NBA affiliate, that's what you want to do. Right. The ones that, in other leagues where, here's the question, here's the problem, Dave. Uh, do you want to develop players or do you want to, you know, win and, and get fans in attendance? That's what happened with that Chicago Wolves and that Carolina Hurricanes mess. Because uh, the Wolves want to win games, but the Hurricanes wanted them to develop players. And the Wolves said, get lost, we'll do our own thing. Okay. Okay. And then lastly, let's talk about Major League Rugby. And this is something you and I were talking about really before we got, we hit the record button. And I'm going to, you know, as somebody, you know, you would think somebody like me who loves football and everything would, you know, oh, you must know a lot about rugby. I know nothing about rugby. I know it's, you know, we've got, you know, I know there's a team in Chicago. I know that, uh, you know, it's, it's, there's a major league here in Japan, but aside from that, I know nothing. So explain to me what major league rugby is, how long it's been around and how's it doing in the States? It's a slow build. And the problem, the problem with major league rugby is you, they've had teams come and go. That's the biggest problem. Uh, it's been a slow build. You, you gain teams, then you lose teams, you gain teams and you lose teams throughout the years. Like, Perfect example, uh, you had the Austin Gil, Austin Gil Greenies, and then the, uh, Austin, um, and then you had the Ella Giltinis, the two like uh, named after popular drinks. They had some sort of like scandal with cheating with players and got banned from the postseason, and they were out the door. And then uh, this past season, New York Iron Workers are gone, and then the Toronto Arrows. Unfortunately, Canada's having issues. The owner died. They couldn't find local ownership, uh, so they were gone, and uh, they went down two teams, but. Here's some good news. A little redemption. Charlotte, Charlotte has a team, and now I have a team to check out some games, cover them, and maybe even do a couple of interviews. So, you know, I'll reach out to them, and they'll hopefully uh, – I mean, that, that stadium is going to be used for a lot of things when the Charlotte team is playing. They're going to have that Premier Cross League there. They're going to have a uh, Major League Rugby. They're going to have that USL Super League in August. That, that You're getting your bang for your buck in that league as well, uh, that stadium as well. So, okay. And, well, and, and, and Charlotte Independence, they probably play another arena, but another league, another, but that's another team that, that's out there as well. You know? Well, and the thing is with rugby, I know there's so much like American football can learn from rugby in terms of player safety. But American football, I mean, especially like when it comes to tackling and avoiding, or, you know, trying to avoid injury just to the head. Rugby is such, I mean, it's, uh, it's American football was birthed from rugby. But it's amazing to see just how different the sports are. And the thing is, Dave, not being from Carolina, I don't know. I don't know how much of a, 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 a rugby following there is in Charlotte. I can dig, I can look into it and see what's going on. But it came out of nowhere. I, I wasn't expecting them to, to get a team out of nowhere. But here's the problem: they had 11 teams. They wanted 12 teams to make the schedule better. And like I said, it's going to be a, it's a rush. Yes, but. It's good to have a team back and, and give half those players that lost their jobs back. Yeah. Well, I mean, rugby is one of those sports here in Japan that I know is popular. And actually, as we're talking here, I'm kind of kind of fishing around here. But we've got the Japan Rugby One League, which I'm looking at some of the teams. Um, I think there might actually might be a team in my area. The problem is for me here, it's just trying to access it and, and, and watching it on TV, streaming and that. 
Well, Which, Greg, Greg, have you ever watched Rugby Sevens? That's that's a little bit more entertaining because the games are short. No, I wouldn't even. R- I know R- rugby Sevens is fun. I mean, even like the, when they had the college rugby, that's fun. Those teams are yeah. fun to watch. There's a te- there's a team that dominates that plays well. Life University. I never. Heard, I don't even know where they are, but I mean, it's it's, it's amazing though, like those small sports college sports. No one cares about those teams dominate. Whatever. The, it's just weird that the big sports they can't do anything, but the small sports you got these teams out of nowhere that they have dynasties. So it's kind of funny how that works out. Well, it's, you know, when it comes to rugby, I mean, what I know is based on what I saw in a movie, which was that, um, I forget the name of it off the top of my head, but it was about South African rugby team. When in the um, the world, I forget the name of it off. I, I feel bad. I sh- it wasn't, didn't really think I was going to be talking movies here during the podcast, but that's what I know of rugby. So it's kind of one of those things now that as we're, Pretty soon we're going to be in the off season football wise. It's it's a sport I need to to start. I know John John Gunning with um, Inside Sport Japan and with the podcast over that I do with Gridiron Japan. It's always talking about rugby when we're when we're not talking. It's well, like, Dave, Dave I, need was... to, I need I need to learn about rugby. Well, Greg, I mean, well, next time we have Dave, Dave, when Dave gets, um, you know, um, plowed out of snow, which might take about ten years, but when he gets plowed out, he'll come on and, and get. And he's like the he he's he knows it more than, than me too. He watch he appreciates the he watches the games. He knows this stuff a lot more. He'll give us he'll give he'll give us our fans our loyal fans a little education on that. But uh, yeah. games I watch they're entertaining. Sometimes they get boring when they when they when they're too much about field position. I like it when they when they, when they do all the laterals and they spread the ball around the field and the the kicking is a little bit weird. Some of those weird kicks in the and the thing is if you if you score at a weird angle, then you have to then you have a weird try to get that that, that conversion. That's kind of a weird thing. It's just um it's it's fun, it's entertaining, but some games are are fun and other games are boring. But I'll I'll give this big league rugby credit. I have FS2. They do a half a half an hour show. Hopefully that you'll be able to get. I mean, I DVR every week, so I'll be able to get my highlights. Interview at least uh, invest in the league. UFL, please do something on your own. Don't rely on um, people that nobody knows to, to present your product. Get Pat McAfee if you can. Get somebody. Do an ESPN show. Get Tom Lugabell. That guy's awesome. You know, well, that guy. That guy loves the league. Get get people that know the league and love it, and uh, no, and Fox Sports. Uh, that's please not Callan Cowherd. That's like that's like that's like he's only doing it because oh um, because because he's being told to do it, not because he wants to do it. Enough said. Right. Well, it kind of gets me into my next subject. I want to talk about it's um you know this past weekend we had the Chiefs and Dolphins that uh, the playoff game was on Peacock, and obviously a lot of people mm, were pissed off because they couldn't get their playoff game. Now, right now, we've got Amazon Prime that has a Thursday night game, so we're already in that age where you got to pay extra to watch NFL football aside from getting it over the air or, you know, via YouTube, um, via the, the NFL Sunday ticket on YouTube. But in general, you know, traditionally, football games, playoff football games have always been and over the air, doesn't matter if you have cable, satellite, or antenna. You know, bottom line is if you you could watch it on free TV. Well, the age of free TV is pretty much over. I mean, it has been over since Amazon, you know, bought the Thursday night package. Where do you see this going? Are we is this are we midway down the slippery slope? Well, Dave, like um, somebody uh, from another website made a prediction that uh 
next year um Amazon Prime saying again it wouldn't shock me if Amazon Prime gets them because they, they always they have at least they have the, the people the, the uh amount of subscribers I don't subscribe to it because I don't I I I'd rather just spend a little bit more than $25 to get free shipping but people that subscribe to it I mean Amazon Prime is nice it could be a curse and it could be a blessing perfect example because uh if you have Amazon Prime, you're, you're gonna buy a lot of stuff. You 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 you'll be able to buy anything you need. But the problem is you're gonna get up buying stuff you don't need. And then you, and then you and then then the problem the, the the pain in the ass about uh about buying stuff you don't need is getting getting your return. Then you have to go to UPS store and do all these other things where it's just I don't know. I mean, if you if you have a family, it's perfect. Then you can get everything you want delivered to your house. If you're single, nah, no thanks. Um. Do you see though? I mean, when it comes to I see you and I you and I had this you, Dave and I had this conversation offline that I can see, at least me, I can see in five years the free TV, over the air TV is going away. Because with Peacock, they had they had around 23 million people. The thing was prior to that, they Dave, they gave a lot of promotions like half off. They gave people in a really enticing offer. And plus the yeah. fact when you when you look what's on there. You have great, you have movies, you have stuff, and if you're a wrestling fan, you can watch the Royal Rumble in, um, in two weeks. But I mean, those streaming services are cheap, and if all you have to do for these people that, that spend it for one month, just watch a movie, stream a TV show, and you're getting your money's worth. So don't complain about six dollars. If you're complaining about six dollars, man, you're in more trouble than you realize. Come on. Well, and the other part of it too is, as I'm sitting here thinking, I mean, I know, you know. And when we were kids growing up, up until I forget how many years ago when they made the switch to digital TV, you could watch, you know, TV with rabbit ears on an analog TV. Sometimes it'd be a fuzzy signal. But bottom line is the NFL was always on TV, on free TV. And I'm just kind of going back to the days of growing up as a kid when all I had available was, you know, an antenna to watch, you know, get, we're going, we're talking Howard Cosell type Monday night football years here. But we've reached a point now where, honestly, I mean, the terrestrial TV is changing, too, on top of everybody going to streaming because the, the technology, because now we're all digital TV. And, you know, you know, I'm sure you remember when we had a sw that switch over when you had to go buy a converter box to switch yeah, over to your digital. So if you're an older person or doesn't, you know, uh, person doesn't have much you know when it comes to money doesn't have the means and you're kind of relying on a form of technology that all of a sudden is obsolete i just see us going down this road where god over the air tv is going to be obsolete at least in america where i live in japan it's different because you know i live in a i live in a, a condominium where you know we've got a giant you know we've got a giant, giant antenna on top captures all the signals in Japan, over-the-air TV is, you know, it's digital TV, but it's going strong, and there's no talk of it ever going away. But again, so Craig, I live so, in so, Japan. So, so, Craig, so Craig how do you, when you watch NFL games, how do you watch them? I watch NFL Red Zone. That's about, I love NFL Red Zone. You get, well, you get all the games. And I, now I'm addicted to that. Because remember in the heydays, right. Dave, when we were watching one game, and then we get the end of the other game. I'm like, oh, great, I get to see another game. And now now I get all the games. So it's kind of like, uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm spoiled that way. But now it's to a point where I can't watch one NFL game over a friend's house or at a bar and be bo not be bored out of my mind unless it's a good game. I well, got spoiled right on all how, the interaction. How it's I got watch, Hanson, God bless his whole. He's great. 
how I watch it internationally is I have a DAZN, D-A-Z-N, which is the D-A-Z-N.com. DAZN is how they pronounce it. And basically, it's the international. It's much like ESPN, except it's not. It, it has a selection. It's It's based out of Europe. And they have the NFL the NFL Game Pass International. It used to be run solely by the NFL, but the NFL sold it to the rights to this for the next 10 years to the zone. And so basically it's like the NFL Sunday ticket, period. You can watch any game, anytime, including, you know, I don't need to worry about having an Amazon Prime membership because those Amazon Prime Thursday night games are on the zone on the International Game Pass. So everything I watch is streaming. And so, I mean, I already pay for, I mean, anybody got the NFL Sunday ticket, which is a lot of people pays for the NFL. The NFL has figured out how to way to make money out of all of us. And we're all like crack addicts. It's like, Hey, give us more, give us more. The NFL, it's, it, they just, they make money hand over fist. Black Friday, Dave. You remember that? They started that Black Friday. And believe mm-hmm. me, when, when you say, believe me, they'll look at all the international games. I don't want, I don't want those international games, but They'll have one in they'll have it in Australia. Dave, what's next, Dave? Well, Dave, you're you're a travel connoisseur. You know the world better than I do. What are the more places you do where NFL games haven't taken place? Will they take place? Well, they haven't taken place. It's been a long time since they had NFL game in Japan. And in order for the and in order for American football to to become popular here, and it's not popular here, um, the NFL needs to come over here. But the question is, is where where's the money? Where's the market? Specifically, where are we going to sell T-shirts and hats with NFL properties? And so, you know, they're going to Brazil, which, you know, makes sense. Brazil's got an expanding population. It's, it's a, a you know, it, it's an economy that has a lot of potential. Germany, England, the places where they've been and that, you know, and going to Europe. So, you know, if you're, you know, kind of segueing into what I wanted to talk about at the last part of this podcast here was the world league of American football and how that idea for spring football from the NFL to expand the game globally started with a spring league of which three teams were based in Europe. So my take on with my take on the global game for the American football least with american football my take on american football internationally starts with that world league of american football and, and, as, we, uh, and as we break it down I, I was into it because i love alternative football and i had a team the new york new jersey knights i watched that first world league game the knights played terrible in that game but that was still my team that was still who they play they played the uh i believe barcelona dragons um Yeah, uh, Barcelona, they, they played the uh, Barcelona Dan, or, or London. Believe me, London, Mar- London Monarchs. I believe. Yeah, one one of the other. Let's take a look here. One second. You got the. I'll tell you right now. I don't. Yeah, I got. I, I got right now. Um, here we go. Uh, they played the Barcelona Dragons and lost nineteen to seven. Okay. In front of Montjuic Stadium, in front of nineteen thousand two thirty three, where uh that was the first ever game, and it was, I enjoyed it. It was fun. I mean. They, and, and Barcelona was a weird team. They had that Jack McNell guy from BC, and uh, 
he um you know I mean he, interesting character and and those end zones in Barcelona like so they were they were so they were short they weren't regulation so yeah I, that that's what I do remember these were like seven yards which you know you think about it and that's you know people forget a soccer field and an American football field are not the same and that became very apparent with that Barcelona team now my team was because I've been in Chicago I didn't have a team. So my team was the London Monarchs. I mean, football in England, it don't get no better than that. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to London or been spent time in England, but it's aside from, you know, if I had another, if I wasn't living in Japan, the next place I want to would want to live internationally is England. I've spent enough time there, so it kind of counts as a residency. But man, that the, the Monarchs, you know, that first season was such a great season especially for the European part of, you know, for expanding the game internationally. And your monarch, Steve, um, they, they, they had an average, average attendance of 40,481. So that was like in Wembley. So, uh, yeah. And then, and then the World Bowl, I mean, the dress rehearsal for the World Bowl, London, Barcelona, week 10, they attracted 50,835 fans. And like, uh, and then the World Bowl itself, I mean, which was you know one one by the London Marks. They had sixty one thousand one hundred eight. Yeah. So that was yeah. a. I mean, based on year one. I mean, let's take a look at these teams. I mean, uh, these in League One. I mean, it got off the ground. It succeeded, but Dave, um, be, the Montreal machine. Dave, do, do we need to stereotype? Do you really need to have a Canadian coach in that market, or could you have an American coach building a brand? What do you think? Uh, you know what, considering where the CFL was at that time, having a Canadian, I mean, having a team in Montreal was a great idea. And I think, you know, there was enough interest shown with that Montreal team that when the Baltimore Stallions folded, it just made sense to go, you know, I, I don't, I think if that Montreal machine team weren't that successful, at least at the box office, and if that World Bowl weren't that well attended, I don't know if we would have seen the the stallions moving back to to Montreal. Maybe well, we would have, but that's just my that's just my take. I mean, and the head coach, and the whole head coach for the Montreal Montreal machine was Jacques Dessault. So yeah. I, you, well, you anytime, know. anytime you have listen, Quebec is a separate country from Canada, even though it's part of Canada. It's you know it's it's. I was up there. What I was in Montreal. What last year, and it didn't feel like English speaking Canada. It's French. So the 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 people who live in Quebec speak French are very provincial, and they I mean the whole the whole province I mean you've got to in order to to have a job there you've got to speak French. So having a French speaking coach, a French coach, a French Canadian coach, um, yeah, yeah, that mean that meant that meant the world. But unfortunate, you know, no pun intended. But um, yeah, I think without. The Montreal machine success, what little they had, actually, I think is what helped convince, you know, the Baltimore Stallions to move north. I mean, so. it's, it, it, it's, well, focusing on on on, uh, on, on the World League you know, year one, one the, the European teams dominated. They kicked ass. They look yeah. at the standings. The London Marks nine and one, Barcelona Dragons eight and two, and Franklin Galaxy seven and three. I mean, that that has to be the best three team division record in. in a taller football league history. Yeah. So yeah. And let's I mean I mean like the Barcelona and the Frankfurt Galaxy uh 
you know, Jack Elway, John always, uh, uh, dad was coaching that team. Uh, Mike Perez is a guy I liked. I mean, the team, they actually, they were a fun team to watch. Uh, I mean, the, the teams that brace those markets, and we'll talk about the East Division. We'll have my team, my New York, New Jersey Knights. I love them. They were so much fun to watch. Mouse Dave said the run and shoot. The problem was, Dave, in alternative football leagues, Dave, here's the biggest problem, as we see in every league on this planet. No offensive line. So the, the Knights quarterback scratch got killed and destroyed. So that was that was entertaining. I mean, it was to a point where I was watching these games like, Mom, you have to watch this. This team is fun. And my mom's like, Fran, you're right. It was she enjoyed this team's run shoot offense was fun. I mean, uh the Orlando Thunder, Helmet Cam, Kerwin Bell. Look at the first game against San Antonio. That that was uh, on on USA. That was like really, without a doubt, one of the most entertaining games I saw of of the World League season. It was kind of like a, a real fun game where you had a um a Monday night a Monday night and the Citrus Bowl. Lee Corso what was the general manager. Well he was so into this league. What league was he into? 35, 34 in front of 21,000 fans at the uh at the Far Citrus Bowl. So that was a fun game. And then let's go back to some little more things. Here we go here. Here we go. Um second. Yep. And then we have uh um, the, the, well, we, we mentioned Montreal Bessie, and now a team that, that's in my market. One of the worst teams, Dave, in alternative football league history. The Raleigh Durham Skyhawks. What's, they were 0-10. And, and who was their coach, Steve? Roman Gabriel. So let's let's talk about our my Raleigh team. You know, now that the, uh, that was home of NC State. What's one second here? Yep. They were, the problem with them, Dave, was that it was a college team. And you know what college teams you couldn't do at that time, Dave? Sell alcohol. So let's, you know, and, and they were just, uh, they were getting terrible tents because people want to go to games to drink, Dave. Like, um, here we go now with the Raleigh Durham Skyhawks. They were, uh, here was the problem. Let's give a little, let's give a little uh, history with people. They were all 10, 12,066 fans. Due in part to the lack of beer, beer sales, which was not allowed at Car Family Stadium. It took about 30 years later for that to be allowed. And then um the league fold, the team folded after one after that long season, which was kind of kind of sad. But if you're gonna lose, George Shin was the owner, went on to be to be with the uh, Charlotte Hornets. And uh if you're that bad and you lose a lot of money and you see no hope of money. You're not gonna bother, but the Skyhawks lack success did not sour the NFL in that state because they got the Carolina Panthers, and then eight years later they got the Carolina Hurricanes, right. um, who started out in Greensboro. So that's the history of the uh, Raleigh Durham Skyhawks. Back yeah. to the um, uh, the West team, the Birmingham Fire. You know that's a that, that's an interesting team we'll talk about right now. Uh, the Birmingham Fire was a you know. Chan Gailey, um, you know, coach teams. Uh, they had they had great crowds um in the in the, in the beginning the heydays. They were a real fun team to really um, you know, I mean, Birmingham is like Dave. Does is that I mean, Greg? Does every 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 football you have to have a team Birmingham? Uh, pretty much. I think it's actually required. I think it's actually coded into federal law now. That I mean, every, I mean, every, on, Dave, every I, spring every spring league has to have a team in Birmingham. I mean, you know. I mean, Scott Adamson, our our former co-host, can speak more to this than I can because he wrote a whole book about um, alternative football in um, 
in Birmingham, and it's a great book. It's on Amazon. Type in Scott Adamson, and um, it's his. It's titled "My Bromance with um, Spring." Um, you know, alter- just type in Scott Adamson, and and Scott's book will come up. So my, Scott did a great book on it. I just wish it were on Kindle, Scott. That's all I'm saying. Him and I've had this conversation, but yeah, I think it's pretty much required. You have to have an outdoor team in Birmingham, which, you know, we'll see. We'll see how this year goes in Birmingham. If they're able to get how the crowds are, if it's actually going to spring, you know, if spring football has any staying power in, in Birmingham. And then we had uh, a team close to my heart because the San Antonio Riders, I, Mike Riley, Mike Riley guy. Come on. He's coaching every football league known to mankind. Humble, nice guy, hard worker, CFL, won great cups. The guy is a grinder. I mean, I, mm-hmm. what do you think about Mike Riley? I mean, he's won when Winnipeg. I like the guy. He's a very nice guy, but I like the guy. He is, uh, you know, I mean, you can't – I have no bad words to say about Mike Riley because all Mike Riley has ever done is win. And, and Greg, I, and Greg I, don't, I don't blame him for one second for trying to get in the NFL. Every coach gets the NFL. And if you fail, you fail. And if you fail, you still make lots of money. And Matt Rule can account to that with the Carolina Panthers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, then that, and, then, and then Sacramento Surge went three and seven that year. Um, that's we'll, we'll go a little bit later on with the third team. That team just, I mean, the fans loved it in, in year two, but we'll, we'll discuss year two um, in a second. But uh, the Surge were a team that just, uh, they end up getting a C- the first CFL American team, which the San Juan team. So that was kind of cool. But uh, playoff playoff games, my New York New Jersey Knights. Oh man, uh, Barcelona beat Birmingham ten three in the semifinals. My New York Jersey Knights. I love that team, but they lost to London all three times. Fun story, Dave. I mean, Greg. I mean, here's what happens. Uh, I mean, the London cannot host the semifinal because they had some a concert going on. So the Knights got the game and they still lost. So. Uh, Three straight times, and then the championship, London dominated twenty-one to nothing over Barcelona. I thought Barcelona, I, I thought Barcelona was going to win the game. I thought they were a better team, but then again, they're playing at home. London wasn't losing that game. Well, the thing was that first season with the, the World League of American Football, it, it showed a couple things. It showed that first off, the NFL was interested. And having a spring league. Okay. Because, you know, remember for people that don't remember, this league came about five years after the original USFL. Actually, the only USFL. Uh, you know, that other one that, that we've had recently is not the real U, but the real USFL folded. The NFL, this was back during a time period when we didn't have social media. Hell, we didn't have the internet. Um, so cable was and, and cable was becoming more and more popular that the NFL saw an opportunity to basically conduct an experiment and they had obviously the funds to do it. And this was an experiment that went on up until when did the world, when did the NFL Europe end? That was 2008, right? Approximately yeah. something yep. like that. So it was a long-lasting experiment. And so with three teams in Europe and then the rest of the league in the States, so what they figured found out that first year was mm, they got to figure this out in the States. 
but the European market is very much untapped and has a lot of potential. So that was really what they learned. And obviously what we saw with that World Bowl in London, and just timing, Stan, Gal- Stan Gelball is, is the quarterback of the Monarchs. I mean, you know, I think he would, he would, I don't even know if he cracked the, I know he was on a practice roster in the NFL after that. And I don't think he did much. I know he, maybe he played for the Cardinals for a minute. Yeah, see, see, see Hawks. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, because see, see, see Hawks. He, he became we, kind of, he came, became kind of the face of the league. Yeah. At least for the face of the league in, in Europe. So it was hugely popular. And of course, they're playing in Wembley and filling Wembley Stadium up with 60,000 people is, is a huge feat for a sport that. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, there's a good book. And I don't remember if we talked about this in one of the podcasts. I know I did an interview with the author, The Gridiron Cup, um, Keegan Dresso. We, if you listening to this podcast, it's back in the archives, back about last year that I talked to him, talking about, you know, the first, the premise of that book is Burt Bell wants to expand the game, American football game globally. So coming off the 1948 Olympics in London, they host an NFL exhibition and the sport just becomes the sport. It overtakes soccer as the most popular sport in the world. But I digress. Um, Having in the real world, there was an opportunity there for the NFL to really grow the game internationally. And I think, and this is just my opinion, I could be, I could very well be wrong, but I think the numbers might actually, you know, you know, prove me out in my opinion. There was such a groundswell of support for the Frankfurt, for the Frankfurt team and for the London team that they could have expanded the world, the world, even American football in Europe, especially in Germany and England. And had they done that right away and just got rid of the other U.S. teams, which were, I mean, they were just all hemorrhaging money and there was bad attendance. I I think, you know, we might be looking at, you know, maybe we have another, uh, an NFL Europe still today. I don't know. It's just, it's. I think think is Montreal was on, was on on its heydays because they were eventually going to get CFL again. They were eventually going to get the CFL game eventually back there. I mean, mean, eventually, it was bound to happen eventually. I mean, it, it was it was they were bound, they they were going to get back there when when the money the resources they had that stadium that little you know they, I mean first they were playing Olympic then they realized the guy who played McGill they had they had a game there and like people showed up and I went to a, a CFL game at McGill and that place looked great I mean there was yeah. more, and it made, I mean the, the Olympic Stadium God bless them if you can have a, a playoff game pack the place by all means but otherwise I mean. You know, play play where you where it looks better. Play where you do, where what is a factor because in the CFL. Well, that was know, the other that was the other thing too. I mean, people forget with spring league, you got to deal with some funky weather come spring, and to have a team in Montreal. I mean, obviously they've got a dome on the Olympic Stadium now, but to play the spring game in Montreal, I mean, that's a you know with the way the season. I mean, it gets cold up there and. So, but I just, my take on the World League was, and just that first season, it was a huge success. They learned a lot of things. And then they went to season two. And then from where, you're you're running the lead on on the history of the league for this episode. And then what happened? Well, 
All right. If you had control in this league, let's 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 say you were running the show after after um after um after the season, and you knew the Raleigh Durham Skyhawks for folding. What U.S. market, Greg, would you have picked for them well, to expand? It sure sure as hell wouldn't have been Columbus. Ohio Glory, what a joke! What a joke! Um, Ohio Glory, what, what did Columbus deserve, deserve that market? And remember their court with their quarterback, Babe Lovenberg. Remember mm, him? With, remember he, he he held the clipboard with the Dallas Cowboys. And yeah. remember that one game where the Cowboys need him to win to make the playoffs. He bombed, baby. But I remember yeah. that Dave Offenberg? I mean, it's crazy. I think Lee Corso was uh, coached him in, in college. I mean, that guy did that guy did not deserve the couldn't play in the NFL. He couldn't play in any of these alternative leagues. I don't even know how he even got his opportunity. Well, did he know somebody, the Ohio, Dave? The, the Ohio Glory, Ohio Glory, to me, just sounded like and looked like a team that you would see in a movie that they just make up for the movie, kind of like. Uh, what was it? Any given Sunday with some of those teams in that the teams in that uh, that movie. Based on based on the roster, they had nobodies. Let's take a look at the quarterbacks. Let's see if you know any of these guys. We know our football. Greg Fry, have you heard of him? No. Pat O'Hara, I know you want to know why I know Pat O'Hara? Arena football. That's okay. why I know Pat O'Hara, because he played arena football. He coached arena football. Otherwise, I wouldn't know him either. And anybody else on this roster, uh Tom Rowan, I think no. he, I, I think he, let's see, I think he was an NFL player. Let's check here. Tom Rowan, he, uh, yeah, he did win. That's why he, WLF launched his career. He played for the Broncos, the Steelers, Seahawks, and the, and the 49ers. He, he played a bunch of teams. So that was kind of a, well, their standpoint. But uh, here we go on the, uh, here we go one second here. Let's go. Well, here's an interesting factoid about the Montreal machine. You know, their average attendance was around, uh, around 32,000 the first year, 25,000 the second year. Now, see if the Montreal Alouettes would kill at this point for that type of average attendance. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just amazing looking at the numbers for really all these teams from way back when in terms of the attendance numbers they were drawing compared to what we see now in spring football. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like uh, the Orlando Thunder. Well, let's talk about this. Is, is he division? The Orlando Thunder they finished the uh, the um, division eight and two. And Scott Mitchell, uh, he went on to you know, you know, I mean, he played great in that league, and he got his. He played the Dolphins when Marino got hurt, and everyone was saying, "Oh, he might take over Dan Marino." No, that wasn't happening. And then he got his money with Detroit Lions and bombed. Then he dragged him back a quarterback. Then Dave, what happens to people when they usually crash and burn and they get depressed? They gain weight. And he gained lots of weight, and uh, and guess where he ended up on the Biggest Loser. So, well, the that, most memorable thing about the Orlando Thunder, the, the lime green uniforms. I love their lime green yeah, uniforms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, I might even, I, buy, have, I, I might have, even buy a jersey. I might even I buy. Actually, well, yeah, I actually, I bought a jersey, put my name on the back of it, so I've got the awesome. lime green. They're awesome. Not as good, you know what? I need to buy a matching magenta Southern California Sun jersey. To balance out that lime green, the loudness, just something about man. When you saw Orlando playing, like, ooh, I got it just for the uniforms alone. I mean, to me, that's why I became between Orlando and London. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna watch the Orlando game. Why? I just love the uniforms. You know, to me, it's all. Sometimes football, football fashion is kind of what draws certain people in, and at least that's what it. You know, my football fandom started with the love of the Miami Dolphins uniform. 
and I was ten. So and it was about a little thunder for for fans. Check out the logo. It was I love that that logo, the thunder logo with the lightning bolts. That was kind of fun. Yeah, I've actually got. If you're looking, you know, obviously we're not doing a video in a video show, but you can at least see me on camera. But I've got, you know, I've got an Orlando Thunder mini helmet down there with that logo. So where is it at? I mean, I mean, I mean, uh, Scott Mitchell. Oh, there it is, right there. Yeah, and Scott Mitchell was a guy. Kerwin Bell, that guy played. Uh, see, the guy played the CFL forever. Kerwin Bell. Yeah, I mean, the guy. Some of these these guys, you take a look at Joe Harold Johnson. That was a guy that bounced around a couple NFL rosters. Um, I mean, you had a couple other guys like uh, you know, that, that played in this league. Uh, Tracy Bennett was a kicker for a little while. Um, uh, some of these guys. Uh, the offensive linemen. Uh, you know, not really did much of an impact, but uh, I mean, uh, Charlie Bauman was a guy that. Played year one for the Orlando Thunder. He played arena football and kicked uh, for a bunch of leagues. And uh, they were a fun team to watch. But Scott Mitchell, I mean, that's I mean, that's amazing where, where he went. He went from top of the world to, well, he he crashed and he crashed and burned. But he now he now thankfully he has the life back on track. But the thing is, thank you know, I I don't know what he weighs now, but I'm happy he's got he's gotten his life under control. He's happy. And um, you know, I mean, I'm glad that show that show is is the worst show to actually do that. You can't lose weight. You basically being have a, a whip to you to lose weight. Did, well, did you ever watch to me, I, I always had yeah, I always had a tough time watching that because it just seemed like everybody was it's so fake. fat shamed. It was everybody getting fat shamed. I'm like, I'm like, you're you're. That's just. I mean, I don't like shows that demean people, and this one, in a backhanded way, demean people, and I didn't. Like it now. I don't know what Mitchell's doing now, but listen. I mean, I've struggled with my weight over the years, and obviously retirement has helped bring that down because I don't stress out as much over stuff. But people, you know, obviously, you know, it, it was. It's kind of hard to watch that show because you know everybody's dealing with struggling with something else in their life that, you know, I don't know. It's just me. I'm just kind of. I don't want to go off on a tangent on, on shows like that, but I, you know. I'm happy to see, you know, what is he doing now? Is he coaching? Well, here we, here we go now. I found a little article from the Detroit Free Free Press. It's it's a huge weight off of Scott Mitchell's shoulder, or more to be accurate, off his small and midsection. Until long ago, he scaled at 366 pounds. That's 130 more pounds than, than the, uh, uh, during the Mitchell's dozen seasons in the NFL. And you'll have to tune into um, the but, but now, look at uh, the makeover week. Mitchell is new look. Down 242 pounds in the way, and down 124 pounds at a tearful reunion with his family. What a, what an amazing story! I mean, that's nice that he did that. Unfortunately, Dave, if you look on on history of those shows, they gain all back. So I mean, that's just unfortunate. Where it's like if you lose it to such an extreme level, it's impossible to stay at that level. Yeah. And once the, the cameras are off TV, it's like it's just it's so, it's too much of a commitment. You gotta. Listen. It's just. So, it's so much you have to. I'm a heavy set guy, but it's it's you know, an environmental. I mean, thing. it's such it's, a it's such a hard thing. I mean, an, thankfully an, I'm healthy, but at the same point yeah. I'm like, well, I, mean, I I like to I, I like to think of myself as like, look, I mean, I I walk I walk I I take a lot of vitamins, but but at the same point I'm like, I don't fat shame you. I mean, I'll tell you a story which I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna hate this guy. I went to a Triangle Torch. Um, whatever the league was called back then, um, you know, when they played during arena for a little while, I went to a press conference and they held at the Golden Corral. Why the hell would you hold the Golden Corral? And the guy, the owner, he didn't have a shirt my size. He made some 
comment, which really pissed me off. He's like, I mean, why are you such a big guy with all the walking you're doing? You know what I did? He was a Facebook friend. I blocked him immediately after that. I'm like, <laughs> how can you make some such a sense of comment like that? Jesus, I mean, I mean, come on. I'm like, I'm here giving you guys coverage. I'm covering your event. And then you and then you just because you don't have a shirt on my side, you're gonna throw me under the bus. I'm like, yeah. after that, I'm like, oh please. I mean, I have more important things to focus on than to give you attention, especially when at that time our special potential didn't even cover the league. I'm like, I'll, I'll I'd rather just go for walks, do other things. So that's it's amazing what you learn when, when friends on your show, Greg. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean my take just real quickly is I understand the struggle. I mean, it's, you know, when I was in Iraq, I dropped to what I was 180 and then I come back and to real life in America. And I was in a, I served in a com- I mean, I was in a combat zone. I didn't, you know, people say, well, you're a combat veteran. No, I'm not. I served in a combat zone, huge difference. But during my year in Iraq, I you know, was able to drop, you know, quite a bit of weight just because I, you know, because I was in Iraq, just it's a matter of circumstance. But then I come back, came back to the states, put it all back on. So, no, uh, but no, it's good to see he's got his life back on track. And but that's the thing too with a lot of these players after they're done playing, um, you know. And I kind of can understand being after you leave football, something you've known all your life, and then you're out. It, it's a hard. I mean, I you know I depression, retired. depression. Yeah. I mean, out of spotlight. Um... Well, your life changes so drastically when your career ends. Now, it depends. And also, too, it depends how it ended. There's some guys that handle retirement well, transition well. But, you know, a guy like Scott Mitchell, I mean, he was basically a one-hit wonder and got a nice paycheck for being a one-hit wonder. And then, you know, some guys just don't know really when to to hang it up. And uh, just when you go from the top of the NFL back down and it's, it's a struggle, it's a struggle. So I just, it's good to see just but, a good, good to see him. You know, he turned, he, you know, he turned, he, he turned his life around. He got better. Let's, I'll, I'll take a comparison to a guy we know very well, because whenever you saw him on TV, your eyes would bug out the hefty lefty Jared Lorenzen. Remember him with Kentucky? And then yes, you know leagues. what? He, I was I mean, thinking, and, and he I was, died and he glad, died and he died. Yeah, I, I was glad you said that because I, I was going to bring him up, but I could not remember his name. And I will let's look let's look let's look look him up, and we'll get we'll give you a little. Let's get what was him, his name again? Daryl Daryl Lorenzo, the hefty lefty. Daryl. Jared, Jared, I'm looking right now. Here we go. I'll, let's get let's get fans some more some more stuff that you're never going to find out. They referred to him as the Pillsbury throw boy and the hefty lefty because of his weight. Um, and this is what happens. Here we go. Um. After um after seeing little NFL time, he spent his entire career as a backup with the Giants Super Bowl winning team. So he got a ring. Then he then he had a preseason sit sit with the Indianapolis Colts. Then he played in the indoor leagues where the old indoor football league and the kind he, he was like this. Oh my! I, the, the size of him, people were like, my eyes were bugging out. And then you and he also served as commissioner of this UIFL United Indoor Football League, which is. I think every everybody's but every there's a, there's a million indoor football leagues. Lorenzo struggled with weight most of his career, and then he um he got exasperated following leg injury and his playing career, and then various health applications. And from his weight, he died 2019 at the age of 38. So heartbreaking yeah. loss. I remember so. when he died. It's like, but I couldn't remember his name as we were sitting there talking. I'm like, there is. But yeah, the hefty lefty, and it's a sad story. I mean, it's and, just... and here's the weight. Here's the weight, more weight stories. I mean, I mean, um, we should do a weight watcher segment next week. Uh, here we go. Uh, here we go. 
Chronicle Eyes attempts at fighting obesity worse than Scott Mitchell, up to 500 pounds. And then 2018, he lost 100 pounds. And then at and then um, July 3rd, 2019, he died from an acute infection complicated by heart disease and kidney problems. Oh, man, that's a terrible way to go out. Yeah. It's so heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's sad. So it's I mean, sad. I mean, it's and now let's let's get to a more. Um, I was going to say, here. let's flip the script here and let's talk positive. The, oh, let's go. Are... Let's go to New York, New Jersey Knights. This right. is my my team. I'll tell you my fun story about them. Uh, I was kind of like an introvert in high school, and I didn't get to do much fun things, and I didn't really, I wasn't really part of the cool crowd. So I basically. I love this league because I gave me something to watch. And guess what yeah. I did? I decided to, they had that New York, New Jersey Knights fan fest. And I didn't tell my parents that I decided to, I went to New Jersey. I went, I hopped on train in Manhattan, went to the Port Authority. And, and, and that's a little scary at that point. Hopped on a bus, got to New Jersey, walked to the, I was on the Meadowlands field for the first time, talking to the Knights players and coaches. That was kind of fun. So I'm like, and, uh, and uh, like uh, one guy, I, I, Mouse Davis, I'm like, finally, I get to meet my my idol, Mouse Davis. I said, Mouse, you lost to London three times this year. You got to beat him at least once. You know what he told me? We're going to beat him twice. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I was like, I was like, I was like, I was like getting, I was like heartbroken. They lost to the, to the, uh, to the uh, London team three times. Like they're arch nemesis. So that was, start with them. They were an interesting team. They were, um, let's go. They, they started they started the season 0 4. Let's go one here. Let's go. One second. And the thing is too the about the World League, the World League, um, you know, in terms of lesson learned, because I mean we're talking about a league that spanned two continents and oh man, I gotta look. I, how many time zones? Yeah. And so the NFL learned a lot about just logistics, travel, and what it was it's going to take to have a team. You know, these are lessons they're probably revisiting now as they contemplate: Are we going to put a team in London or not? In terms of the logistics involved, and um, New York, New Jersey, I say started the season own four. I was at the point where I was like, "Oh my, my season's over. I can't. I I have to give up on this team. Their playoff hopes are done." And then wait for it. They won their last six games on the edge of making the playoffs. They did not make the playoffs. I was basically telling people they were rolling on their six-game win streak. Let's start with their six-game win streak. 24-21, Frankfurt, Frankfurt Galaxy. 34-11, Montreal Machine. 41-13, London Monarchs. Ohio Glory, which everybody beat. 39-33, Overtime. Barcelona Dragons, 47-0. And the Montreal Machine again, 41-21. I'm like, I'm telling people, if the Knights make the playoffs, they're going to win that game. They're going to be in Montreal. They're going to be they were the highest team in the league, and they were going to win that World Bowl. I say these Sacramento Surge people. And uh, they did not get in there, fortunately. So that was like a, one of those things where that happened. Then we had the Montreal Machine, where they had a successful year one. And uh, unfortunately, they dipped. And when you dip in a, in a, in a new market, that hurts you. Yeah. They, went, they went to two and eight. If you don't win in these markets, you're going to... Fans are not going to show up. Unfortunately, in these new leagues, you have to have either win or have a fun present product. And they bombed. And in Ohio Glory, God help help us all. One year, one year wonders, one and nine. They were a train wreck. As well, far at least as like, they won a game. I mean, yeah. you know, better than what Raleigh did the year before. And let's let's talk about the European League, Dave. This shocks me the most. I mean, how can the European European League teams 
be so good in year one and then bomb in year two. Barcelona, five and five. I mean, Frankfurt, three, seven, and your London Marks were, were uh, two, seven, one. Well, I mean, two, let's keep in mind, too, these are teams that were turnover, basically turnover. turnover and, glor and for lack of a better term, they were practice squads. And that's really what they were. So you had so much turnover. I mean, and therein lies, I think, you know, when the when the World League and, and the worst thing, what killed football in Europe, the NFL in Europe, was when they shut the league down. And then they came back a few years later. And I always use that example uh, to people with the UFL. Oh, yeah, they're going to bring these teams back. Nobody's going to show up. I mean, look at the what happened in the World League. You know, the Monarchs went away, and then they came back, and then they went away again. So that's just my take. No. Yep. Go. Let's go. One second. Yep. Um, sure. And, and then we and then we get to the uh, we'll, we'll get to the uh, West team. Sacramento Surge. This is a team that played great. I mean, this is a guy you probably know him pretty well, David Archer. So remember him, the the guy. I mean, he played in CFL. Dave he, Archer's he, played everywhere. Everywhere he's played everywhere. I think he may even coach somewhere, but he was he was really good. They went eight and two. We'll talk about them later in the what they did in the, in the World Bowl. But uh, the Birmingham Fire went seven two and one. That was that 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 North Division, West Division was fun. And San Antonio Riders, I was, they were probably my favorite team in, the, in that West. I, I like Mike Riley. I liked his his um. That was my favorite, probably my second favorite team in the league after the uh, New York Jersey. I liked I liked the way he coached. I liked his style. And uh, they were seven and three. And uh, as far as the playoffs. You had one good game, Sacramento, Barcelona, 17-15, and then the Orlando spanked Birmingham 45-7. And the World Bowl, before we get to that, Dave, Birmingham made such a huge push to get that World Bowl. And by no surprise, where do national media outlets and people want to go to for big games? Do you want to go to Birmingham, or would you rather go to Montreal? I'd much rather go to Montreal, so... The league chose wisely. Why would you want to go to Birmingham? I don't even want to go. I'm not even sure if I'm going to go to Birmingham for a UFL game, unless as long as someone gives me a free free tip, free free, free plane ticket to go there. But in all seriousness, I mean, the league, the league made the right decision going to Montreal. Why not? Put it in Canada. You're indoors. I mean, I'll tell you a fun story about them. They had baseball going on in between those days. So I was oh, watching yeah, the baseball game. Right. And they, and if you look, you'll have the World Bowl logo on the field the yeah. day before where, where balls bouncing off that World Bowl. That was kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's but, right. I forgot the... Yeah, but all in all, that was but all in all, that World Bowl was fun. Oh, let's get here. What was, all in all, that yeah, World Bowl... Yeah, and I Bowl, think you can find that World Bowl on YouTube, too. Yeah, let's go here. I mean, I uh, let's, let, let's break that down because this is this be the last time we ever talk about this league ever again. But... uh. Oh, uh, we'll probably be talking about it later. I mean, we're 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 weekly now, so the world league. And, and as like we say, talk if, about spring football, will rear its head again. And like I say, if someone dies, well, you'll hear it here first. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, come on. I never expect to talk about uh, a player, a football player dying. So the one thing I like about your show, Greg, is like anything goes, and you let me just be the rain man of sports knowledge. Except yeah. instead of writing it, I'm talking it. Yeah, so let's yeah. Talk while everybody else is speculating about the UFL and what's going to happen, now we're just talking sports memories and you know what you know. We don't speculate; we guess maybe. Well, well, I'll we be honest, speculate. you guys. I grew up on Mike and the Mary. That's that's what I'm, I'm a little bit like, like Chris Russo. Guys, I looked I looked up to were 
like you know Chris Russo growing up with being opinionated, but saying it with facts, which I'm doing. Yeah. You know, another guy I liked, Colin Cowherd. Like I like the fact that he when he misses wrong, he misses wrong. No other media guy does that. Um, like uh, another guy, Pat McAfee. I love his enthusiasm. He gets the energy going. And wow. a guy I like from, uh, from being a wrestling fan for being opinionated and, and taking the off the, the cuff comments, Joey Styles from ECW. I'll give yeah. you one comment, Joey Styles. They're on they're on the TNN network. Rainfall was on the TNN network, TNN network. And Joey Styles, I laugh so hard when he says this. If you want to ch- have a job, nobody kn- knows you exist. Being a arena football announcer, and well, and, and imagine a arena football guy says that. Um, uh, this guy's bashing us. Uh, wh- what are you going to do? You're going to. Uh, we need you guys on there. We need the we need the money from you guys. We need exposure. That lit, that off the comment at the time. I loved arena football, but it was so funny because I can't really think of besides Eli Gold, anybody or Mike and Mike. I can't really think of anybody as a arena football announcer that. Had any legacy in that league? None. Zilch. So, Joey Styles, you were no, right. I can't think of anybody. I mean, in terms of the only person that still has, you know, we all talk about Kurt Warner. You ask anybody about arena football people, it's Kurt Warner. Name another person, and nobody can give you. They have well, to go to the Wikipedia to go look that up. I, 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 I can give you some guys, but um, but we'll yeah, see that. but in we'll, terms we'll, of household names, household names. I mean, Doug Flutie's yeah. another guy because he, he went for the CFL. Play, but, yeah, but that but was a little he, bit different. Yeah, I mean, was, Warren Moon. That's, then, that, you know what? But even then, with the CFL and, and Doug Flutie, you mentioned in this day and age, people know Kurt Warner because he's still involved. He's with the NFL Network. But say a Doug Flutie, a Warren Moon, the names have faded as time has gone on. But it's been guys like Kurt Warner that keep their a media presence that people still. It's just well, it's, it's just amazing to to see where we're at now. It's like Kurt Warner, yeah, he's the NFL well, guy. No, no, the guy well, that played for the Cardinals and took the I, I will tell. I mean, I'll tell you a fun story. If anyone read my how Carver Arena Football, um, you know, uh, leagues impacted a writer, Google Carver Arena Football, Franz Touchbury, and you'll see how that. League launch where how 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 my career launched. And then I decided to guess what? I had nothing going on job wise. Let me go. Let me go take a computer class so I can still be part of this college radio station. So I did that, yeah. and and like you know, I'm like why not? My like, hey man, that that kept my foot in the door without anyone kicking me out. So let me do that. Have a little fun, and you know, I you know, and then what happened was I said let me so let, let me do some arena football exposure. So let me do some things that are going on. I tried to get a Ronnie Gadsden. Remember him with the Miami Dolphins. But the minute they found mm-hmm. out I was a college radio station, they had no interest in having me on. So uh, that was the end of that. But then, then Kurt Warner, I contacted the Rams. I got him on. They said they had no problem with that. And the fun thing about Kurt Warner was I knew his history. I knew his background. And then I introduced, introduced him as future starting quarterback of the uh, St. Louis Rams, Kurt Warner. And uh, we had a fun talk on blah, blah, blah. Oh, and so you talked about- to him when he was still a backup. He's back up, yeah. First year, oh, year, year of the Rams. Gotcha. Basically, I got him before he was a star. We were having all this fun about talking. To him. And one thing I, I liked about him, I asked him, Kurt, are you going to go to NFL Europe again? Um, um, after which nobody really nobody knows besides us us people now. But uh, he said he wasn't. He wasn't going to go to NFL Europe. Uh, and I and well, after he performed, after what happened, he didn't have to. But right. Kurt Warner was kind of well. He wasn't going to go back because he was. He was. He wasn't. He wasn't going to go back. He felt, he felt. He felt one year. One year enough was de- develop. He wasn't going to yeah. go. Plus, he's a family guy. I mean, he had a couple kids now. He has about twenty kids. You know, he had right. a bigger family now. But back then, like it was kind of fun to to see him. Like, not only like I drove around people, I, people I, I meet everyday life. Talk to me. You you want to know why? Because good things happen to people coming to my life. 
a year later, Kurt Warner, I mean, of bar, you know, the Trent Green injury. And I'll never forget Dick Vermeil saying his thing said, We're gonna rally behind Kurt Warner. And guess what? They did. And anyone that was smart enough to pick up a fantasy football probably won their 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 leagues that year because you could have had him you know so late in the draft. He he was lighting it up, playing great. And the biggest show on turf. And the thing is, I mean, arena football is like, oh, look at us. We're getting exposure now. We're gonna, we're gonna, yeah. we're, we're gonna get some profit in situations. And like, and they're like, they're practically begging, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, like uh, any reference to arena football to get some exposure and publicity. But uh, the fun thing was, one thing I like about Kurt, he's humble. He's down to earth. He hasn't changed. He hasn't changed at all. And that's the way. I, that's what I like about him. The movie, which I wrote a movie review, which we can, we'll break that down down the road. But uh, American Underdog, I, I mean. I watched the I, I watched that movie and I wrote, and I wrote about it and uh and um the movie was it was Hollywood size I mean yeah, yeah. I, I would I would have liked I would have liked for them to do NFL Europe to develop his talent yeah, which didn't my, happen. My only criticism of the movie and this is minor. Did, did you watch it? Yeah, yeah I bought okay, it. Good. And I oh, good, perfect, it and, perfect. Now here's we, my now, only criticism of the movie and this yeah. so we'll save and we'll talk more about because I want to do a future show about great football movies. Um, cause I got my whole list and compare your list with Dave's and that's uh, a whole nother show. But my only criticism of the movie is that when it came to him being in college and the scenes with Northern Iowa, those games, those scenes of, of Northern Iowa were not in the dome. They were outdoor. And I'm like, Oh, you gotta have it in the dome. Cause that's where he played. And I'm just curious. I'm curious why they didn't have it in the dome because that would have made it just added a little bit more off authenticity because I know when it came to the arena scenes, it was very authentic, but the college one came off as unauthentic only because, you know, I went to school. I went to a school that played in the same conference as, as Northern Iowa. So I, I knew hey, they play in a dome. They don't play outside. So but that's just me. Well, another Christmas I didn't like. I mean, this is how this is how how how, how movies get Hollywood Hollywood sized. Here we go. Now I'm I'm gonna pull this up. Let's see if I can. I, I'm gonna pull this up. I'm gonna see. Let's see what let's see what I, what I didn't like in this movie. Well, here we go. Now, um, I, I mean, I mean, I like Zachary Levi. That was perfect for, for Kurt Warner. I mean, I, he was yeah. He was, yeah I mean, was, he, was, I mean, he was, was good. good. I mean, he was I mean, a better. He was a better Kurt Warner. Than he was a Captain Marvel. I didn't like him as is in the Shazam movie. Well, the first Shazam was good, I, and the second one, yeah, unfortunately, a lot of them tank, and he was terrible. That, that movie I fell asleep during, so that's another story. But uh, I'll talk about a little bit about this. I mean, during the days I Northern Iowa, he met his wife Brenda, who had two kids from previous marriage. So in those days, and usually sometimes when you meet a girl with kids, you you be a little bit hesitant, but you embrace them. And, and like one of the kids had. I mean, Zach, you know, was, was mm-hmm. I mean, well, this is this is what happened to him. He suffered brain damage and was blind, being accidentally dropped by Brenda's ex-husband. The thing is, the right. movie showed Warner immediately embracing Zach and helping him out as much as possible. Seeing yeah. the relationship develop with them was like that was one of the focal points of the movie. Where oh like, yeah, that was yeah, one. That of was, the, yeah, that, I agree with and you. And then their life challenging times. After Warner got cut by the Packers in 1994, he worked stocking shelves at Hy-Vee grocery stores for his family. That's that's where I, that's that's where the the story that everybody loved, where you come out of something to make nothing. I mean, that's right. the that's what the everyone dream. And then Warner received another chance to play. You know, I, Bruce McGill playing Jim Foster. I didn't like that. I did not like that that choice. And I, I guarantee you, if we ever got Jim Foster on the show, he would just he would totally agree agree with that. I, that you could have had someone a little bit different. I mean, he sold Kurt Warner playing the league, and the 
And then what happened was the movie actually, you know, showed the passion. The barn. The, I will say the movie did actually portray the, the barnstorm fans, the passion, energy. They loved yeah. it. Yeah. They really showed that. I mean, yeah, the, how the house the, the, the arena scenes were very authentic. I how mean, the house size was, he never got married to Brian the door, door like the day before the arena. Well, they never got married during right. that arena. But come on, come on, come on. Anybody, even anyone can read that out. But then, like, uh, following the, the campaign, he signed the sign with the Rams. I mean, yeah. out, I mean, I, the thing I, I'm, I'm bummed about was Al Luganville had such a huge part in his development. They didn't want to put him in the movie. The guy is a legend. I mean, the guy runs offenses. His son is one of the most insightful college football commentators. Tom, I mean, Tom, Tom Luganville, going back to the arena football days where when I covered the New York City Hawks, he was assistant coach. So, uh, yeah, the guy's the, the guy's a grinder, a developer, and now he, he's like he he does the scouting stuff. That guy knows his stuff, and like with the UFL, get him on as much as, as much as possible. Make him the lead announcer. He loves. The, the stuff he'll give the passion you want the people as far as i'm concerned people doing games the most passion don't give me these guys the, the big name game guys don't care well you, you that? also too you know you don't want to have these guys on hey the over and under i don't care about the over and under just call the game well i mean like i say give I'm, me some passion give me some that but don't try to sell me and this is just me this is just me when i mean this is an old guy talking now apparently according to my According to my driver's license, I'm a, I'm officially an old guy. Um, call the game and give me some color and entertain me, and that's what you need, you know, with these alternative football leagues because it's not what we got with the USFL this last version, and even no. with the XFL. Actually, you know what? The last time I was entertained by an alternative league announcer crew. Was when Jesse the Body Ventura was doing. Oh, that was great! That was great! That was great! Awesome! Yeah, well, 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 and I, I love Jesse. You know what? Maybe don't agree with his politics, and in terms of his service record, well, we're both well. Well, how about everything? But here's my my take on Jesse was. I was entertained. The only thing that could have made those XFL broadcasts in 2001 better is if Mean Gene Okerlund was doing play by play. Well. (laughs) <laughs> and here's the story. I mean, I covered the league, so yeah. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do a, a behind the scenes blow of all this happened, and, and I'm gonna share an amazing story what happened in my life um years later. But well, back to this movie. Warner went, he passed for four thousand three hundred thirty five yards, forty one touchdowns. That was amazing. I mean, and the movie I compare it to, to compare it to, which I think you have to be compare this to, is the is the uh, is the um. Is as if as if uh, it's Vince Papali movie. Uh, you know, I mean, the uh, his, his movie um was similar. You know, American Underdog was yeah, similar to Vince yeah. Papali. That, that, the only but, the, my only problem with that movie was that they skipped over his World Football League. Invincible, invincible, invincible. Where and the funny thing here's the story nobody knows. Vince McNeil play, appeared in both movies. I mean, uh, that's played. Vince McNeil, he played. He was both. Vince McNeil was in both movies because in the in the first in this in this movie he was played with Dennis Quaid. In that one he was played by that uh that guy did the talk. Um, oh, not the real Greg Vince Greg, Greg Kinnear. Greg Kinnear. No, Greg Kinnear was Dick Vermeil. And, and, and Invincible, and then and then um Dennis Quaid played Vermeil. Oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah, um, that's the cool. That's the cool thing about about these. I mean. Who does sports movies where a coach makes appearances in both? So that was kind of fun. Yeah, so, that's true. I didn't think about that. Well, the thing is, I'll be honest with you. When I write, I like to I, I like to deep dive into stuff. I'm not. I, I want I want people to know everything. I'll research but everything on the planet. Let, me, let me ask you this, and we're completely segueing off of the World League, but 
when we're going to segue back here. Um, but when it comes to football movies, have you ever written an article about your favorite football movies? I have because I don't have the platform where, because I mean, give me a platform. I'll write about, but I mean, I would I'll... say this is just me. This is, that would be a great subject for an essay for our sports central. Mm -hmm. And this is just me talking. And I know it's, you know, honestly, you know, I mean, I, you're not the editor, so, you know, you have an editor at our sports central, but I think kind of going back to what we originally talked about with sports illustrated, what made sports illustrated great was those essays about other, like when they would incorporate pop culture. Cause do you remember on sports illustrated when some the movie, you might be too young to remember this, but when the movie semi tough came out, yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen that with Burt Reynolds and Chris Christopherson, one of the best football movies that nobody ever talks about. Um, Sports Illustrated did a whole thing about that movie. And I like seeing, I mean, to me, as, 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 as somebody who loves sports history, but also is very, you know, loves the history of pop culture and everything. It was those types of, of moments when you had Heaven Can Wait with Warren Beatty and the Rams when you had semi-tough with Burt Reynolds and Chris Christopherson, when you had North Dallas 40 with Mac Davis. The replacements. The replacements was awesome. That's right. That, and they tried with the replacements. And the hard thing, but when those, like the three movies I mentioned before, those really allowed somebody who wasn't a football fan to, to it was just a, a moment in time where pop culture and sports really collided. And it was, oh, and then also too, that's when we had the longest yard too with the original Burt Reynolds movie. But my suggestion is if you get a chance, I would love to to to, to read what you would write about your favorite sports well, movies. Well, it's funny because I mean, the, the one that's, that's, that's that, that, that I loved the most was Rudy. I mean, that's the movie that inspired me to kind of pursue my sports. That, you like, know what? I'm glad you mentioned that because that's a movie people forget. That movie, that, that, that movie inspired uh, even my article. Yeah. Uh, I feel I'm supposed to be a version of Rudy. I mean, that movie was also how it was sized. I actually looked at the real play. Oh, that, yeah, that yeah, happen. it was completely. And, and yeah. the brother was never a nemesis. They made him be out like he right. hated. If I had a brother like that, I would have killed him. Yeah. Imagine well, you have somebody fulfilling your dream and keeping they, they, I like the message. It was so inspiring. But the thing was, um, you know, I mean, it, it was, it uh, was, I mean, I love the message. I love where I love where where what he did and what he came out of something out of nothing. That's kind of like my career. I went to Division three school. And I was able to pull things out of the air. But the thing is, I don't. The real reality, but I didn't like about it. In reality, the guy was an egomaniac. The guy who I heard stories people met him like he bragged all about all about him. I'm like, oh my god. Well, the if other I, part if of I, that if, is... I come, if I ever come across like that, Greg, you can when kick it, me off the show, please. When, I don't. When it, when it, I don't want it, to be like that. When it comes to Rudy Rudiger. And that whole story, I, I kind of reference what Dan Patrick always says when that movie is brought up on his show. Rudy was offsides. Now, with that said, that was, you know, but it is a good movie. It's a good, it's, it's fun. It's, it's great. Well it's it's, it's like touching. I mean, and, yeah. and it portrayed no name like it was supposed to be portrayed. That's what I like about it. Oh, I yeah. Mean, it, but, it, but anytime, we, you know, you get with movies, um, TV shows, how they're doing them now, there's always artistic licenses and liberty. Which, if you're, you know, a smart guy like you and I watching these movies, you're like, okay, I just want to be entertained and walk away. Like Kurt Warner's story. The way that I mean, we obviously don't need to, I mean, it's great having a movie like that because you know, I can tell you how it ends. I mean, it's easy how it ends. It's, he wins the Super Bowl. 
but how they portrayed how they segued from the character actor to the real person was very touching and to me that was the best part of them i mean i got tears welling up and i'm you know i'm like okay they they did they captured the spirit yeah. of the film and it was a perfect way to end it well um and, and also and also in that rudy movie where people don't realize joe montana was on that Notre Dame team so if yeah. you guys, i mean i don't know if you have access to peacock but i lo- i love this documentary under pressure it's on there. I watched like five, yeah, like five I did. seconds. I watched it. That, it's, that it's movie, five, that was awesome. That's where, it's a four or five parter. I, I mean, forget. But and it's that a great, it and he mentions Rudy. He gives the real, I mean, he gives the whole entire thing about Rudy, about the real the real truth. That that under pressure was really so good where, I mean, John Montana was humble. And and the thing is, I like I wish someone would do a movie on his career because he what he did was even more amazing where he basically oh, was, yeah. uh, you know, you know what, what he, how he did in college and Notre Dame. And then he went to the NFL. And with the with the forty nines and Steve Young, yeah. I'm like they kicked him out the door. Let's 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 be honest. They yeah. kicked him out the door. He went mm-hmm. to Kansas City. He he played well. And then one year when they played the forty nineers in that documentary, he, he kicked their butt. So Montana got yeah. Montana got the best of it. I mean, I, I don't like the only unfortunate thing, Dave. I mean, Craig. I mean, these guys when they get these guys don't go out on, on their terms. A lot of these quarterbacks just unfortunately they don't get to go out on top. And uh, well, most, Montana. Most that- only very few athletes get to go out the way the way on top. I mean, obviously Peyton Manning, the way he went out was on top. I mean, Jerome Bettis went out on top, but very few athletes. Um, and it was sad to see the way it ended for Montana. You know, it would have been nice to see him win it, you know, go to at least go to the Super Bowl with the Chiefs. Um, you know, like Kurt Warner, even though Kurt Warner didn't win a Super Bowl in the end, just the fact that he got the Cardinals to the very edge—that's that, what—that's what got him in the Hall, Hall of Fame. If he didn't get that's what got him ahead. That's what got him in the Hall of Fame. And I think right. I'll tell you a fun story where I was bragging to people that I was interviewing uh, um, at work. That I was like, uh, I interviewed Carl Warner. Like, you you bragging about second? Of course I am. Because if you because if you did that, um, you would be doing the same thing. So give me a yeah. break. I mean, if you interview a guy that was at the time. Super Bowl NFL, 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 and then NFL MVP. Now he's in the Hall of Fame. Wouldn't you want people to know that? Come on, so right. give me a pass. Right. So, but um, so, yeah. Oh no, no. Go um, go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean. To I was off. saying, but I mean, but as far as a coach that, you know, he looked like he was going to leave on top. Was remember when the when the, when the Rams won that Super Bowl? Dick Vermeil, he wanted to go. He he, he he retired, but then come on, coaches always want to come back. Yeah, he, I couldn't he, quite, he, he, I probably, couldn't quite... he probably he probably didn't want to go out. He didn't want to leave like that. He still yeah. had years and money to make, and he went to the But do you think he were you surprised when he came back? Yeah, Honestly. I was surprised because coaching he, he is made, a high... well, he, he made the false promise. He's like, he, yeah. I, I mean, and then, and then, he, then what, what, ha- what happened? What happened? He chased more money, or or do you well, want to just show 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 the world that you can do it without Kurt Warner? So, yeah, I well, I mean, we'll see what, what's happening with Belichick. We'll see. I mean, listen. I mean, I retired when I was, and I was lucky enough to retire at age 54. Now I worked in a profession where I had a mandatory retirement age. And I was, you know, 24 months from that mandatory retirement age. But it's always hard when you leave something to let go. And egos are huge. So when you're a coach, you know, Dick Vermeil, great example. I mean, he was burned out. When he left the Eagles, I remember that vividly when he left and then he came back and I had my doubts, him coaching the Rams, 
I thought it was, and for those first two years he was coaching the Rams, it looked like failure. Yeah. Obviously, they struck gold and they won. So I don't know. I mean, I always look at um, John Madden. John Madden is a great example of somebody who knew who knew when it was time to go, and who never looked back. And that's what you know. John Madden said, "When I leave, coach, when I'm done, I'm done." And he never came back. And he went on to bigger and better things. Well, Greg, a, a, guy, a guy, that's, a guy that scored royally, which we know pretty, which you'll know, you'll, you'll agree with me, was Tom Flores. The reason he was on top, there was no reason to go to Seahawks for that cup of coffee and bomb. And, oh, yeah, and George, right. and George, and George C- and George Seifert's another guy. Boy, yeah. nice. He goes to the, to the panel. He walk, just sometimes mm-hmm. you just walk away, enjoy well, life. Some, I mean, sometimes, sometimes money talks. Sometimes it's ego talking. So. You know, I mean, Tom Flores, Tom Flores with that diet, with that race team, you never, you had those moments where still that team right. were awesome. How well, can you, how can you go to a team that's that's not even getting anywhere to that level? So yeah, well, and it goes back to what we're talking about the World League of American Football. I mean, you had a lot of coaches in there. Mouse Davis, you had a lot. Lee Corso was involved. And, well, yeah, I mean, so you, you had, get a you lot had, of the, you get a lot of these big name coaches that go to these alternative leagues. Steve Spurrier. Uh, Mike Martz, and I could probably go. I'm, I'm missing a lot of people. So, as we, you know, we said, <laughs> somehow we got here. Um, so, we were talking about season two of the World League. Yeah. And so, with season two, it was, wasn't as successful as season one. But comparing it now to the spring leagues of the 21st century, I got to say it was uh, numbers wise it was it was more of a success than what we're seeing now ratings and attendance well, wise with uh, the leagues uh, going attendance on. Attendance wise, ratings wise plus plus great they, they sent players. They, 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 people didn't realize that a lot of these guys had you know, these guys were, were on assignments, get development. And yeah. that's gonna, and that's going to be the the, key, the biggest key for the UFL. If the NFL doesn't start if the NFL if the NFL sends players then they're golden. Then they can take years developing. Then they can, if they don't do that I mean, eventually, here's the story with these leagues. You're gonna eventually you're only gonna lose as much money as uh, as possible. You're not gonna keep this dying for a couple fans on Facebook that want glory and passion, where this is their big time baby project, and then when it folds, they might be in a straitjacket. No, yeah. after a while, if you don't lose money, if it's not profitable, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna cut bait. So that's just, I mean, I, and the thing is, we saw what happened when the XFL, you know, you know, you know, um. um Fold um, went bankrupt after 2020. A lot of these football sites they changed their names because it wasn't they had to they had to have something to keep fans involved. They had to have something to keep their um mind site. Otherwise, you would have had another Scott Mitchell or Gary Runs where you gained thousands of pounds. So yeah. that's just the truth. They need well, something. And, to- that's, and that's what I mean. What's what's great about our you know our Sports Central. I mean, you guys aren't football dependent. No, we have everything. I mean, and the thing is, and the funny thing about me now is that I'm covering everything now. And that's fun. I used to, in the heydays, I used to just do football, um, arena football, XFL, United Football League, um, which, um, you know, those two years. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I, I decided to cover World Team Tennis just to get back into covering sports. And I loved yeah. it. And now, and then, and now I'm covering National Women's Soccer League. I've right. covered, uh, I've covered, uh, lacrosse. Um, I've covered, now I'm going to be covering some more sports coming up. Soccer. Now I'm going to do rugby. I'm willing to do anything. It's, I told Paul, if your league covers it 
and and travel is an issue. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go to it. I want to get baseball game schemes off my bucket list. I did the brawl and the sock puppets. That was fun. I'm gonna yeah. do some other leagues. My league hockey. I'm anything that's within like a two hour driving difference. I'm willing to go. And also, here's the catch: if I travel to a city where I'm doing something like uh, related, if there's a minor league team in town, like when I covered the uh, XL Leonard Guardians, they had a Leonard Solar Bears game. So I guess what I covered Solar Bears game while I was in town. I had fun, and I wrote a story, and it was it was enjoyable. Got a picture take with shades. Mm-hmm. So, like, if there's UFO championships in St. Louis or wherever it is, and if there's something I can cover to have fun, I'm right. doing it, and, I, and it'll, I'll get more bang for my buck. Yeah, and how many? Let me ask you. Um, with with you know, it's you, Paul. How big? How big is the staff with our Sports Central? I mean, just... not 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 that big. A couple people to help out. I mean, there's a couple okay. of writers and contributors, but uh. Paul yeah. does a lot of the work, but thankfully, a lot of the stuff is automated. But I, I'll be honest with you, I have so much passion right. for, for Paul Sight, for what he's all, all the things he's done for yeah. me. And these people don't realize I've gotten so many benefits as out of this out of this um cover for arts potentially. You can't put a price tag on money wise. Right. Uh, Arena football launched my career. Uh, XFL, um, you know, I mean, th- that got me in Raleigh eventually, where I'm having a great life. And the yeah. World Team Tennis, it helped me get out of a depression I was dealing with after my dad died, because I was dealing with a lot of chaos after that. It gave me something f- positive to focus yeah. on. I got Billie Jean King, and I, I and I went to D.C. with Dave Leno, who, who, um, who encouraged me to cover World Team Tennis, and now he's with the Philadelphia Union. So Dave's a great, humble guy. And, but uh, I went down there, I got, I got familiar with the area. Then I ran into an amateur photographer. He's like, Fran, I want the exposure. So guess what? I wrote a story where I got quotes for everybody. I had so much fun, and I had and I had thirty uh, um, like pictures in it. And guess what? The funny thing is, if something's good going on, people are going to find it. So Paul told me, well, team tennis traffic more than doubled with what I was oh, doing. Oh wow! So if the thing is, that's the bottom line. If it's good, they'll, 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 right. the people are going to watch it. I mean, these click sites, it's not good. People are not going to care. But if it's good, people are going to watch it. I mean. I've had writing people with whatever stuff for years, and then all of a sudden they say, "Fran, I love your stuff." This look how we, we met. I never you you lurked, you lurked and lurked and lurked, and then you finally had the courage to uh, ask me out. But Fran request me, <laughs> but but uh, and then and then we got to talk, and now and now I have a, a great platform to not only write but also talk about it. Which is yeah. thank you. Yeah, I, no, I, you're, uh, you're, you're you're another game changer in my life. I mean that, Greg. I mean well, that. I, I, you, you, I feel humbled hearing that. I. I you know, I don't know how to. I've, yeah. I've always, I've always wanted to do broadcast, and now you gave me the perfect format where well, I can. Add- like I said, man, that's a great thing about the day and age that we live in. I mean, you know, you're part of Gridiron America Radio Network and the Sports History Channel, and uh, or the Sports History Network. I'm sorry, it's I'm only on my. I need to get more coffee, even though it's like almost one o'clock here. I'm still. Well, I didn't get much sleep last night. But you are part of the. You are part of the team. Well, look at the first show we did. I mean, me and you, we never spoke at all, and we sounded like seasoned veterans. And and people love my knowledge. My friends were, my friends actually invested in me. They said, "Friend, you sound yeah. great. You sound like you you know you guys know what you're talking about." They were so impressed with my knowledge and like, and it was nothing was red. It was all car blanche. Today's right. show was a little bit red, but we had. To- well, the great thing about all of us talking and and talking with you is we can talk about what's going on, but we also have the background and the history of you know, the games and also too, you know what, this is where, what I like talking with you, I learned something that I wouldn't learn. Let's just say, you know, from, you know, if I were to go on or have somebody on another podcast, I wouldn't learn what I learned from you because all they know is XFL, USFL, 
I mean, we talk more than just football here. We talk about issues. We talk about everything. Yeah, everything. So that's what and, I, I. And and the one, one thing I love about I'm the I'm, I am the rain man of sports knowledge. That's why I mean it's funny because the thing is I know so much knowledge of history, and all of a sudden I'm like, who would have thought? Greg, when we were talking about the show, we we, we mentioned Jerry Lorenzen. How that was that? If, if you told me you were talking about Jerry Lorenzen, no, I, I would have said no way in hell. So it's kind of like yeah. it's amazing how the knowledge and skill, and then always compare, and then you combine the forces of what we all right. what we both know. And the fun thing, and the great thing about you is that you pro, you know you, I you you you've watched most of the stuff I did. So it's not like it's not one person telling the story; it's both telling the story. And the thing is, we're older; we know the history. These other people that are talking about these things. If, if you know if you haven't covered it or experienced it, you're guessing. So if you so if you you know so you're, you're going to come across somebody that doesn't know what they're talking about, and and people are going to pick that up. Why are they going to listen to you on a weekly basis if you if you're reading well on a teleprompter on on affect you on something you haven't experienced? We experience these things, so that's a well. Hopefully, a hopefully, hopefully, you know. I mean, every, you know, we had a lot of people listening to your your first your first show. Um, like last show, I mean, we it was weird last show the way we did it because. You know, Upton Bell, friend of mine. And so I just sat down with him. And unfortunately, we had a very bad connection. Um, I blame undersea cables. Though it probably could have very well been his phone. I don't know. Well, but, the thing is, so, I, mean, but listening, I, I know, talking, I know, I know. I, you got, go ahead, go ahead. Go, sorry oh, no, that, but ahead. talking with Upton and then we had you got had, had you and Date. And then it was Date, the three of us at the end of it. So, yeah, as we go along, you're going to, you know, sometimes you're going to just have me doing an interview. Obviously, time zones are, are a huge difference huge a huge issue for for me and i mean thank god you know you're what time is it over there now 10 57 i'm fine uh, okay I'm that's, now. yeah i always say that's actually pretty it's i thought it was later no, it was but, later than that i mean but and the fun thing they, and, the, and the fun thing is greg when people when people were talking like they were shocked when i told you you're doing it from japan nobody how's he how, how are you talking to somebody that, that does it on uh, from japan and they also like that it's on zoom because so on phones, it just doesn't sound that good. I mean, oh I, well, that's I, that 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 kind of goes to what I was saying about Upton when I had him on the phone. Um, now Upton's eighty-seven, so there's a reason why it was easier for him to dial in. I mean, technology is the older you get, technology becomes more challenging. But yeah, having the Zoom connection, like we're talking, I mean, you sound like you're right next door, and I'm hoping I sound about I, I sound the same. Uh, but technology has just made things so much easy for you know, like I said. You know, you're part of a, I call it a radio network because podcasting is the new radio because, you know, I get into my car here in Japan, I plug my phone in, boom, I've got, you know, I'm turning on the radio. I'm turning on, like I listen to podcasts usually through Amazon music, but there's so many, we're on so many pod, I've lost track of how many podcast platforms this show and my other pot podcast with John Gunning and BJ Beatty, Gridiron Japan is on. So it's a worldwide audience. And it's just, you know, you think about it. When we were kids, we could have never imagined having our own little our own radio show. It's it's our it's our platform. And the thing is yeah. it's I mean I never, I never expected to be anything goes. I mean with no restrictions. We don't have to worry about at least shutting us down or losing a press pass. We're not because we're not going to ever do anything where we're going to do the facts, and we're going to back it yeah. up. That's that's yeah. the difference. That's the difference. We're not we're not we're not yeah. going to say we're not going to say anything that's going to, I mean, that's going to you know have people go crazy. And if if it is, that means they're listening. So I'm not complaining. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. 
But if they, but if they, uh, but, but but back to the World Bowl, I finish it up quickly. They had forty three thousand seven hundred eighty nine fans there. That was really good for Montreal. That was the right yeah. decision. That, that, They've that never was had. Really you know, you think about it too. Just think about Montreal and that number. They've never had a bigger crowd since. It to see professional football in Montreal. Yeah, and, and plus, and plus, the game was fun because uh, Eddie Brown. I, I think there's been a million Eddie Brown or well, football there was, but Eddie Brown had a two-yard touchdown reception. David Archer, twenty-one seventeen. It was a fun game. I, I watched. It was yeah, it was enjoyable. I'm gonna, have to go back, I'm gonna have to go back and watch that game on YouTube. And and, and what you do? Let me know what you think about that trophy. I love that globe, that little world, that little yeah. trophy. The thing is, I'd be afraid if I had it in my hands, I dropped the damn thing. But right. uh, well, I, but, I, my, my opinion with the World League is they shut it down way too soon. Too soon. They, they have, you have at least three years. Get three years. They shut it down too soon. And with that said, they should have really focused the league because again, they, this was an experiment. They yeah. should have gone another year to learn some more lessons with logistics because now i mean we're you know i mean they've already announced uh the international games for next year for the nfl and i'm hoping at some point that we do get a european division with the nfl roger goodell they say it's going to happen now again we've been talking with that said we've also been talking about landing on the moon for the last you know several years and that got delayed yet again but that but kind of with the nfl it's like okay if this is going to happen, you guys really need to make it happen because there's just there, the global growth. American football is confined to North America. It's really not that big of a game in Canada, obviously. And in Canada, the NFL is a bigger league than the CFL. And that's a whole nother subject about how the CFL can market itself because they do a shitty job of marketing themselves. But here in Japan, we've got the dream, and this is what I want to kind of wrap up with talking about the global, the global growth of the game, which is why I wanted. I'm glad we talked about the World League. So this coming weekend, actually tomorrow for me, on Sunday we have it's called the Dream Japan Bowl. So what it is is the X League All Stars from the, and the X League is a semi pro league because most of the players work full-time jobs they don't get paid and they but they pay dues but your americans on the team get paid so it's kind of a hybrid but it is in terms of the quality of play it's basically the third best league in the world now people will debate that and i'm going to leave that debate to my co-host at the Grand iron japan podcast john gunning who knows much more about the X League and the history of football in Japan than I do. But the X League is quality play, and we just had wrapped up the Rice Bowl. Uh, God, it was, what, a couple weeks ago now, where the Fujitsu Frontiers won their third title in a row. And the Fujitsu Frontiers and the Panasonic Impulse are the number one and two teams outside of North America. So we've got this weekend coming up. We've got the Dream Japan Bowl, which pits the X-League All-Stars versus a um, team of college All-Stars from the Ivy League. And my personal opinion is, and this is just my opinion, and I, for anybody listening who listens to Grand Japan podcast and is, is living in Japan, listen, I want to see the Team Japan win more than anybody in the world. My buddy John and BJ over at the Grand Japan podcast do too. However, the gridiron game in Japan 
as we learned last year, still has a long way to go when we had a, a team of All-Stars last year play the Ivy League All-Stars and, and they lost. This year going into the game, there's a lot of people that aren't from Japan that aren't playing in this All-Star games, which, um, I don't know, I, I don't want to make a prediction on the game, but um, I'm hopeful that Team Japan's going to do well. But there was a picture in the Japan Times of one of the players from the X League compared to the Ivy Leaguers. And again, I think, you know, kind of comparing apples to oranges here, but just the size alone, I'm like, oh man, this, this, this might be because size wise, the Americans still prevail. Um, so hopefully, hopefully team Japan gives the Ivy league a, a good, a good game. So with that said, talking about the international game, what the world league of American football meant, do you think Fran that the NFL should just say screw it and let's let's make this game global because without the NFL I don't see the American football expanding beyond beyond North America. Well, it, let's hypothetically hypothetically say if, the, if there's a European division, that's going isn't that going to kill like uh, having games in other markets around the world a little bit if they do that. Well, I mean, you also have um, in each country you got the German Football League, you got the British American Football League. Now, again, these are all basically club leagues. All right. Well, since, since, you, since, you, since, since you're an expert of 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 uh, of, uh, of Europe, and they do a European division, um, let's say four teams. Pick the markets. Your call. Don't worry about travel. The NFL has money. Pick the markets that would, that would be the best, most successful as far as from a tennis standpoint. TVs, locals. This is your show now. If I were to pick the markets, you go yeah, four, with your, four, four markets. Yep. Four markets. So you got London, mm-hmm. Frankfurt, Berlin. Yep. And don't, don't tell don't tell me Barcelona. You can't tell me Barcelona. No, no, I was gonna say Barcelona. Probably uh, it you know what? I would have to look at the attendance. It'd probably be one of the German cities. Rhine Rhine again? Could be, but you got to. I mean, they love it in Germany, you know. And come on, yeah. you, you remember when when they had the, the Patriots here a year ago? That yeah. beer was like that beer. That beer, mm-hmm. that beer is bigger than both of us combined. Right, or you know, you possibly put a second team in England, but with having two teams in London. Oh no, no, that's not good. Well, but with that said, now keep in mind too, London is like a whole other country because London's just freaking huge. So I mean, you could have a team on one end of town and a team on the other end of town. And that would be a haul. So I don't know. That's a good question. But I think I think it really would be a league, a, a division composed of at least one English team. A team in Scotland, I think, would be for a team for future consideration. Edinburgh, you know, Edinburgh and um, and Glasgow. You know, I mean, they had the Scottish Claymores playing NFL Europe, but I. think... I, I don't know. I don't know how. And, much. and look at a, and look at a league that's always been saying they're going to get, get two teams. NHL Toronto. Come on, you see, you see, you see Toronto yeah. getting two NFL. I can't. Do you, you see it? Because they've been, they've been clearing that for years, but they already have that NHL team. Toronto. Toronto. Toronto's not. The NHL's Toronto's not going to do that. Gonna, and can well because it makes no sense. How's the how's the how's the help the NHL grow? No, but the thing is, thing is with the European over in Europe, they've got the stadiums at the ready because those 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 soccer stadiums. Are, are are much like you know, and some of those soccer stadiums put AT and T Stadium, Jerry World, at to shame in terms of amenities. So, stadium wise, I think the NFL is in a good spot. With 
stadium wise, I think the NFL is in a good spot in getting into Germany and, and London. But beyond that, who knows? I know. But, you know, without the NFL put pushing it, the global American football is not going to grow. I mean, you've got the league in Mexico, you've got the LFA, you've got the X League, but the X League is struggling. The X League is struggling to get fans. And this year's Rice Bowl, while there were, it was, for me, you know, seeing a a, a championship game in Japan on TV, there have been bigger crowds in the past. So for the game to grow, there's, it's got to be, it's got to come from the NFL. Because without well, the NFL pulling the train, it's it's going to be a struggle. So, even if, I, even even if there's no if there's no expansion anytime soon, I never see a I, I don't expect to ever see a Super Bowl overseas. The time differences would kill it. it I can't say. Yeah. So, all right. Well, you're the expert. You're right. Um, you're right. You t- I, pick a pick a market outside of America that it can work time difference wise. I can't there, think there, of any. There there is no no one, no one, not in Canada not in Mexico where people get shot. Um, well, no. Look at you know. I mean, we're compa- we're not even comparing apples to oranges here, but let's take a look at the World Baseball Classic. Where is the championship of the World Baseball Classic held? Always in Miami, always Miami in- or, or LA. You know, but I don't know where it is. It's but the- always in America. Always in America. Why yeah. is that? Because of TV. TV. Because yeah. as we found out with the World Baseball Classic, other countries, Japan being one of them, actually being the primary example. It don't matter what time that game's on, you're going to get the Japanese tuning in. So when the World Baseball Classic Championship came on, and ironically, is you know for the championship game, I was watching it while doing a podcast with Dave when we were doing our experimental XFL Infowars show. The ratings that came in from Japan for a game that kicked off—I forget what time it was in the morning—was they. I mean, these were numbers that made the Super Bowl numbers look minuscule in terms of how many eyeballs were on the set basically everybody unless they were working and if they weren't working i mean if they if they if they were working but not near a tv there i guarantee you there was radio coverage of it or they were watching it on their phones or what have you but yeah when it comes to logistics when it comes to you know a super bowl in england super bowl it's never going to happen just, well, how about how about another sports league? Any, um, well, they, they're not going to do it because they they have home markets. But is there any league out there that's going to um, not maybe Major League Soccer if they want more money? But I don't see anybody else wanting to experiment. You know, outside of America, a championship. I can't see it. Nope. No, I can't see it at all. I can't see it. You know, the NFL they might do something to you know who knows. I mean, I mean they might do. I don't know what they would do. Maybe the Pro Bowl. Send the Pro Bowlers over. Well, I mean, at least people will care. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, I think I think in Orlando this year, but those games like uh, Hawaii, that that's ridiculous. I mean, that's just a come well. On. And, and, yeah, come on, that's you know, well. Come Hawaii. On. The thing about Hawaii is, I mean, that's another place that I mean, you've got obviously Hawaii's got issues, stadium issues, but they're still playing football in Hawaii. So is the wax still of is the wax still intact? The Western Athletic Conference now now Hawaii's part of the Mountain West. They have that changed stadium. Okay. You know, I, they, they, I, now they're I, now now they're in part of the Mountain West. So and they're I, and they're building track. and they're building and they're building a new stadium. So they're gonna okay. and Timmy Chang is the coach of that team now. Where who put up you know records in that run shoot offense? Where the I mean June Jones wanted the job, but right. they but June Jones was you know was too old. So but the Hawaii program is a great another great example of how to learn about logistics because yeah. I mean Hawaii's you know is it eight hour time difference depending upon where you're at in the States. 
between there and Hawaii. So, yeah, I just don't I don't foresee in our lifetime the Super Bowl ever being played outside the United States. And that's kind of bringing it really around a full circle, talking about what we started to at the t- very top of this podcast when we talked about Sports Illustrated and about the impact it had. And for me, the big impact about Sports Illustrated that had me on, that still affects me now, some 40 years, God, man, it's, we're going on 50 years. Of, well, yeah, going 50 years. Yeah, going on 50 years was the Sports Illustrated article and the Sports Illustrated article back in 1979, the pro football preview issue with Earl Campbell on the cover and mm-hmm. talked about the future of football. And so to me, you know, we're, we're losing, you know, when I woke up this morning and, and Dave, Dave, Dave and you knew the gate sent me the messages while I was sleeping about SI. But when I saw that, it's like, oh man, just, and I think of all the memories of sports illustrated as a kid, you know, going to the library, looking at the swimsuit issue, you know, well, Cheryl well, T. the big you moments. Know, I mean, like the Doug big Flo- moments. I mean, uh, yeah. how, did you watch that Miami Boston college game? When, when uh, you know, Flo- I, I watched it. I, I loved I, it. Don't I didn't watch it, and here's why: because I worked as a kid at Kmart, so I think I was working that day, that night. It was on, but I worked in the TV section. But I don't think, I don't think I ended up watching. Well, the fun it. thing about that was I watched that game, and I knew Doug Flutie was going to win. I'm like, play silent. I, I had that feeling like I love Boston College. Doug Flutie was one of my favorite quarterbacks, and, I, and I'm like, I said, keep playing sideline. You have time. I mean, that's. One thing about when you get to see moments, it doesn't. If you watch it later, it doesn't. When you get to watch it live, it's unbelievable to see moments like that. I mean, just see, and then like uh, years later, I run Doug Flutie at the UFL Championship in Omaha. I get to talk to him, right? and like yeah. I talk about see about just the. I mean, just the fact that it went all full circle where I was able to. Yeah. I, I one of my favorite players, and then I finally get to meet him, and I was humble. I wasn't one of these bloggers that would have been, you know, going crazy with him. So. Yeah, That's you'd be a, like, you wouldn't be. Oh, look at him! Oh my God, Doug! Can you yeah. can you give me your autograph? No. I mean, you know, you know how they get. I, I and write, I guarantee you, I, what's going to happen I, at these at these UFO championship? You're going to have one of these kids that this is his first. Cha- he's going to be doing yeah. highlights, and he's going to do stupid things that the league's going to notice. I well, guarantee like, you that. Like, uh, like I write for U- USFL News spoke. No one cares. <laughs> Nobody cares. I mean, when I was at the Expo Championship, I I was professional. I handled myself properly. Yeah. I told them. I covered all three leagues, and they were so impressed by that. And yeah. I and I and I did the media opportunities. And I and the thing was, unless some of the other people, I was down there a day before to make sure I could get the media day. I mean, and and it's, it helped me. I mean, just get. Mm. I was running the show. It was basically my platform to walk and do my thing. It was yeah. a little disorganized, but yeah. I was able to get more accomplished being down there at media day than uh, than other people that came down a day later for just my championship. Yeah. So well, hopefully with with sports journalism moving forward i mean obviously sports illustrated currently as we know it is going away the archives you know are going to remain intact somewhere somebody's going to pay for that because that's just that's that's history and but when it comes to sports journalism for those who are listening if you want to learn about what's going on in the world of sports alternative sports minor league sports go to our central rsportscentral.com and visit and, and and link on to Fran's articles. And to me, that's kind of that's the go-to place for news. That's what's going on in the world of sports um beyond the major leagues. Beyond I'm humble. Like, like the week around the leagues is a nice platform to get a because, because what you're um around the leagues is where 
you know, if you want to learn about what's going on on, on the minor league scene, that's the place. That's your first stop. And Any plus, other place is, you know, is going to, you're going to be like, eh, no, I'm going to go to over Sports Central. And plus, I get the real news. I'll, I'll give you a gist. If you like what I have to say and you like my writing, here's a little extra reward for you. Everything I write is archived. So you can go year by year. And if something appeals to you, Click on it because I guarantee you, you're gonna get you're gonna get information, entertainment. You're gonna get things you're you're really gonna enjoy. So if you if you like uh like my writing, you can go to 2001, uh, Arts for Central, and you'll see an interview with Jeff Brom. My first XL preview that was so that was the best preview any um anyone anyone wrote uh, on any platform. So I the thing is, I don't write for a for a big name site, but I treat it like it's a holy grail. I treat I treat it like it's the you know you know the most important site on the planet. And that's why yeah. Paul, you know, Paul's like one of my best friends. I mean, it's nothing better than to have a, a site you contribute for. That's one of your best friends. And and he and, and if he, and if I can help him succeed, I'm happy to do that. Like if if and if I do, do stuff that makes that gives him site more traffic and and gives the site more credibility, I'm happy to do that. That's the absolute part. You know, Paul get me on that platform. Got, gave me so many great things, so I'm happy just to, you know, I, I'm looking. And, and what do you like the news articles that we put up on the site sometimes, or yeah. do you like press releases? Yeah. Well, guess what? I, I I spend a lot of mornings or whenever I have free time putting up articles right. to, to give people more stories, especially like that Major League Rugby. If you go to that rugby section, I put about eight sec, eight stories say on that Charlotte team, so you get everything, so you get the whole entire gist on that. So if you if you're curious about Major League Rugby, go to the Charlotte page and you'll see um the whole entire gist on on that team. Coming out of nowhere. It probably was in the plans, but unless the checks come clear, it's not going to happen. So, right. Yeah. And for anybody who's looking to connect with from the 55 yard line podcast, really the best and only way right now is to go to our Twitter because we're still on Twitter. We're not leaving Twitter um, because I find it the best. Actually, I find Twitter, and I know, you know, this is another discussion, but I find Twitter for me. The one place I can go, we can go as a show and not be censored. Because if you go to Reddit or you go on Reddit, that place is just, uh, you know, I posted stuff on there. I've gotten banned. Oh, no, we don't talk about that. It's no, you know what? Nobody censors opinions on Twitter, which mm, I guess is a good thing. Well, uh, for, well, for, well, but in the world of sports, it's a good thing because, um, you know, I kind of like my memes and I kind of troll a little bit on my other Twitter accounts. So I kind of like it. But if you're looking to connect with us at the podcast, whether you like the show, hate the show, what have you, we are at from the 55 on, on X formerly known as Twitter and just direct message. I'm in charge of all the social media account of the social media account. Um, I'm also social media director at Green Iron Japan podcast. But when it comes to from the fifty-five, hey, shoot me a message. And, me as far as as far as I'm concerned, I mean, uh, give us comments. I mean, what do you like the show? Do you like the 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 all this? Right. Anything goes. Do you like what we're doing? Um, if we offend one of your friends, by all means, tell them they can listen to it and they can hear it. So well, you know, uh, funny, I had nothing to hide. Funny you should mention that. You know what? You know you're. You know if people are writing you hate mail, they at least you at least know one thing: people are listening. And I guarantee, I guarantee you, if the, if uh, the guy I mentioned about the false rumor, if that starts spreading wildfire, I mean, it's the truth, and I can back it up. And, I'll, and the thing is, I'm not gonna say anything without without valid proof. I can I I can go on Facebook and prove that within seconds. 
Well, I can, I, I can go to that. I can go to a Facebook page and show the exact. So if, if God forbid something this happens, and yeah. we expose the truth, oh no, oh no, yeah. I'm gonna, this guy may want to kill me at the championship. Why? Because I I told the truth. Well, that's the beautiful thing about the internet. It never forgets because as we found out, you know, just recently with a certain news article on S on um S uh, UFL 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 SI what is it that fan that fan part of it where, you know, you get I apparently these people that are writing for the UFL uh at least I I'm guessing they don't get paid because of they were if they did get paid, they were they got laid off today. Well, um, sometimes, but, sometimes, sometimes they feel like the bigger the name, the yeah, I mean, the more prestige. Let's right. be, I, we all know, but but, but then again, know, but then again, maybe they'll come, maybe they'll message us and tell us we got paid. I don't know. Uh, I don't by know. all means, if you're getting paid, you're doing something better than a lot of people are doing. So, God true, bless you. True, and you know what? Bottom line is, hey, listen, if you're gonna write something and critique, crit, criticize other writers you doing exactly the same thing that these writers you're accusing of, then you shouldn't be putting that in writing. Cause you know, at some point the internet, you know, you put that out there. I guarantee you there is somebody out there on social media. Taping who it. Is, who the internet it. never forgets. And there, if you've got, if you've said stuff on video, yeah, that's going to come back to haunt you. And uh, just for future reference, please don't do that anymore. Well, how about this guys? If we get one, at least one person that listens to the show and enjoys it, you guys send us a message. And what top, give us a topic you want us to discuss a movie or a sport, anything, anything. You, and, and guess what? We'll talk about it because we know it and we won't have to research it because we probably already lived the damn thing. So right. if somebody, yeah. if, if one person just says, Hey, we want you to talk about this, anything goes, we'll talk about, um, curling if we have to because anything come on so if yeah. you want to talk about if you want to give a topic hey man it's almost like that you know, when you go to a comedy club where they have that you know that um you know that open com- i mean comedy roulette where hey you give a topic and they have to talk about it by all means give it to right. us and we'll back it up with facts and if we say and if we say offend somebody we're right yeah yeah i kind of looked at it. if we gen- if we generate controversy and somebody's like oh i don't agree with you what you're saying well at least you're listening well, I mean, and the sad thing is, we're right. So, I mean, yeah. And, and if, if we're it, wrong, we'll admit we're wrong on the next show. And it's, and unlike and unlike on the Facebook and Twitter scene, did any of these bloggers ever print out that they were wrong? I mean, in the newspaper, no. you have to. You have, you I, have you know to print it. In the newspaper, it's, you have to remember. Or, uh, it, you know, it's, rebuttal. It's, it's funny you should mention it because before we wrap things up, good funny story. So last year, Dave and I did this XFL Infowars show, and I was just talking about, yeah, you know, over the air TV is dead and yada yada. Well, you know what? I went back after the show and did my research, and I'm like, holy shit, I was wrong. I was way wrong. So the next show we did, I'm like, dude, I misspoke. So we're not above, you know, correcting ourselves when need be. But hey, if you're going to rip on us too, just remember, you know, present us with facts, just not, hey, you're wrong because that that's what happened with the XFL. And I know, and this is just, you know, when I was talking about XFL, you know, I was critiquing the XFL on, on social media. Oh, but you're wrong. They, 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 they didn't do this. I'm like, dude, what bubble are you living in? Uh, you know, and people like, Oh, but you're wrong. I'm like, yeah, okay. You need to give me, a, you know, show me where I'm wrong. And that's the problem with social media, unfortunately. Um, and I think, 
you know, it's just the nature of the internet too, not just with football. And, Twitter, and the thing is, but the with thing everything is, else. the thing is, if we're wrong, just tell us. And the thing, and the other problem is with these. Oh, it's just, uh, just, I mean. Just be honest. I mean, we'll, we'll have yeah. an open discussion. We'll and, we'll have you on the show and we'll debate it. If and, you want to, if you want to tell us that, hey, if James Larson wants to come on the show, by all means, come on the show and tell us um, that that what you did was just an oopsie. I don't care about calling him out because that's embarrassing. That, that hurt me so much. Um, this is a, a league where fans are begging for information, begging for information, and you give it out the wrong information. Come on. I mean, that's, well, that's, I mean, I'll bear any single, if I see this guy in the championship, I'm going to tell him, you embarrass yourself. You humiliate yourself. Come on. I mean, get it right. This is, you, I mean, I'm not going to forget. And, and if I see, and, and nobody else is going to forget. And if this guy says anything else with wrong facts, I'm going to nail him. I'm just, I'm past it. I'm like, this is a time where you, come on, this is a privilege. Not, this is not, you know, this is a privilege to be covering sports. I mean, and be thankful you have a platform for it. The thing is, Paul would kill me if I ever did a room like that and it was wrong. First of all, it, it, it wasn't right. Second of all, anything I post is facts. I mean, I, if I get a, got a story, I'm gonna I'm gonna get sources. And if I break something like I did years ago, remember that UFL that you formed? I broke the story on UFL Access, which I was involved with, and R Sports Central that uh. Jim Fossil was going to be the head coach of the Las Vegas locomotives. And I was right. And other media outlets tried to chime in on it, but they finally gave us some credit. And then within a couple of days later, Jim Fossil's name was mentioned on every, all the media outlets on uh, ESPN because that's a big news. Uh, Giants coach league. And uh, you know, I didn't get the credit I deserve, but I broke the story. So, and I'm not one of those media guys that, ha that, that, that does that. I, I just write that. I mean, I, I've never. That's probably the only story I broke in my entire life. So yeah. I'll take that one story because it's the it's the right story and it was right. I'd rather do one right story than than twenty than twenty thirty stories that have to be wrong. So go back to journalism school if you went to journalism school. I'm sorry. Well, and hopefully these younger guys who are writing for the league. I mean, I'm confident. I mean, I know I know Jim, and I've always had great dealings with Jim. So hopefully, what you know, hope the the thing about thing is you can. You're never too old to learn lessons. So hopefully moving forward, um, now that the league, the UFL, now we know what we have with the UFL. I mean, there's a lot of questions still outstanding, but at least the the rumors that are being that were batted around there, everything's now fact. We have what we have in terms of we know what we know moving forward. The only thing we don't know, which we might be able to discuss next week's show, is the schedule, hopefully, and then the rules differences. We still, but, we still. But, but here's the thing with the schedule, and this is and, where people and, unless, get, you're, no, unless no. you're in the home market, you don't give a shit. Well, you know, bottom line is when the schedule is announced for whether it be the NFL. See, I'll use the CFL as a good example. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, the schedule release. You're going to play the same damn eight teams every year. With the NFL, it's different. You got more teams. You got only seventeen games. So I I get the excitement, but the the schedule's been going to be released. Okay, well you're playing eight teams are playing each other. We kind of know the schedule. Just a question of when the dates. I don't get really too worked up. Well, I don't get what, too excited. But the about NFL, the you get excited because uh, you you want to know what the first game is. Everyone yeah. loves to know what games are on Thanksgiving. Right. Everybody like everybody likes to know. Yeah. Now we have a Black Friday game, and plus, right. plus people like the, the Thursday night schedule. Right. I mean, um, they like to know that. Plus, they like to know um some of the Sunday night games, games early season. Plus, um, the overseas games, which are 
another factor. Plus, you get to see like the, there's like there's the, there's a lot more to it. Yeah, I, I mean, mean even, I, I'm excited. I mean, I'd be excited right. to know what yeah, teams. Yeah. especially like you know the teams, you know the teams that are going to be in the schedule, but you'll know. Right. And, and, and depending on how the schedule is set up, you can win or lose season. If you have, it depends on the, how if you have a schedule set up the right way, you can win. You can win more than you than you can lose. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So well, and so I what I was saying going, you know, moving forward with, you know, talking about all the different news sites covering the UFL. Um, I still have a hard time just UFL just does not roll off the tongue like USFL did and even XFL. But with the new sprint, but what what was the the league this year, the the combined league, hopefully now that you know, because there was just so much rumor kicked out there about oh, what's gonna happen? Oh, we okay, what happened has happened. I think where you're going to see speculation kick in is if the ratings completely tank and there is no growth, you're seeing empty seats, you're going to see speculation as to the way forward, though I don't expect that to happen till the very earliest mid-season. And I guarantee you, Greg, there's going to be this expansion stuff talking by these oh, bloggers. Oh, well, God. Every week it's going to be expansion, expansion, expansion. And then the other thing is, let's be honest, this league, you, this, you have to get it right. So, yeah. Me, no, I, me, agree. I agree. And I'll be honest with you. You do your study, you look into it. And if you figure out it's better to start earlier in February, deal with March Madness. Who cares? Think about the long term vision, think about cold weather. Think about people well, being inside what, in the north watching games, well, and then when the weather gets nice, I'm going outside. Right, that's what kills me. With it's a mistake. Who wants that? We have with the spring league. Oh, they could do this. It's like, yeah, dude. It's March thirtieth. March thirtieth. You, know you know what I'm doing at Super Bowl? I'm binge watching TV shows. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not. Right. Two months of what? College basketball. This is yeah. the perfect time to have these games. Even Paul said that. I mean, the weather's freezing cold in Wisconsin. There's nothing else to do in February, yeah. and March. And but now you're gonna start late in season, and then in June, I guarantee you, as the weather gets nice, the ratings are, are gonna be a joke at night. Well, Saturday night, yeah. people are gonna be out with the families, yeah. and yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna impact that as well. So I I disagree with that. I I mean I think it's I think starting February. I mean, are you uh? The thing is, the other thing you have to keep in factor is attendance. You gotta have attendance. I mean, sacrifice TV ratings for attendance. The more attendance you have. The, the the better chance of lasting, and also the missing right. piece of this league is hopefully with it by 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 year three, which is make or break. You have to have NFL teams send teams there. You get that, you're gonna last. If not, if the NFL doesn't have any involvement, then you're screwed. Let's yeah. be honest, it's not gonna yeah. it's gonna die. Yeah, you know I mean, it's bottom line is money talks, and if they're losing money, I mean, you know, you were talking about the World League of American Football, and you look at the the amount of money that was lost during that league. That was a drop in the bucket. Actually, the NFL could afford losing that amount of money and not even bat an eye. I mean, today. But bottom line is this is a you know, pro sports is a business. And until somebody explains to me, and nobody has been able to explain it to me, how this league, what this league's five year plan is, besides hope, I don't have much hope. So I'm gonna enjoy it for what it is yeah. and we go from there. So I mean, well, I'm, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying it. But the thing is, it's to a point where I'm involved with so many other sports teams and teams. I tell people yeah. if it works, I'll have fun, enjoy it. If it doesn't, I have so many other things to do. And now I have a now I have a, a, a podcast where I can talk about anything I want. So this is cool. Right. So uh, like I say, Greg, yeah. absolute pleasure working with you. And like I say, oh, uh, you, I I know it's a long show, guys, but believe me, it's it's not boring. That's the one thing. 
well, most hope- shows are boring, but this, this yeah. show goes off everywhere. Well, so. hopefully, hopefully next week, uh, Dave's completely uh, is 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 shoveled out, and we'll be hearing more from Dave. I'm sure we'll be you and I will be talking to him here shortly in terms of you know if you know if he whether or not he has dug a tunnel from his front door to his driveway. I'm assuming if he has, um, he's not the only one because um, you know we got NFL playoffs going on in Buffalo this weekend, and we got what four games. We got four I'll, games. I'll, I'll be honest. We all add three different dimensions to the show. I mean, I mean, you add the dimension where you have a lot more. You you know a lot more of the history of the stuff. You know, with the uh, your age, pardon your pardon my. Uh, yeah, it is what it is, man. You're a little bit older, but you watch it. I mean, you actually know it. You're not. You actually not get. You actually. And then me, I'm the Rain Man of sports knowledge, who, and my memory is off the hook. Where I, 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 I know, I know so many different things, and then. And then what David has to show is that he worked in the sports league. So he, he yeah. has an, the, the team yeah. dimension, the behind the scenes dimension that so you put the, all, all those forces together where we don't mind saying wherever we want, you get, you get, a, you get a fun show. Yeah. Well, listen, Hey, I appreciate it, Fran. And uh, talking, and we're going to talk more on the, on the flip side here, yeah. but for everybody listening, thank you very much for tuning in. And if you're looking for the show online, we are again at from the 55 over on X and, X, formerly known as Twitter, and our website is from the 55yardline.ca, not .com, but .ca as in Canada. And that's where you can find the show on the Sports History Network. And we're also on Gridiron America Radio and anywhere you can find podcasts. So just look up from the 55 yard line on your favorite podcast player or in Google or whatever that'll point you where you need to go. So on behalf of Fran, Dave, and myself, Dave, I know you're listening. So hopefully you're drinking some hot chocolate now as you're listening to this after probably shoveling it again. Hey, thank you very much for all for listening and we will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Like no one's ever seen We're in the air, we're on the ground Always in control And when you say the Oilers You're talking Super Bowl Cause we're the Houston Oilers Houston Oilers Houston Oilers number one Yes, we're the Houston Oilers Houston Oilers Houston Oilers number one Team no hope, cause we're the Houston Oilers, Houston Oilers, you know we're gonna hold the rope, yes we're the Houston Oilers, Houston Oilers, Houston Oilers number one, yes we're the Houston Oilers, Houston Oilers.
boys, we're the Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers, number one, five, seven, eight. We're the best from the Lone Star State. Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers, number one. Cause we're the Houston Oilers. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com.